Hello, I'm Jeff Lester, and welcome to Wait, What? A comics and pop culture podcast coming to you from the not-so-solitary fortress that is WaitWhatPodcast.com. Welcome to our first episode of 2020, with Graham McMillan and I talking about the newly released list of the best-selling comics and graphic novels of the previous year, the mysteries of the new DC timeline, the secret connection between Robert Kirkman, Mark Miller, and Brian K. Vaughn, the three loves of Galactus, no, it's not Robert Kirkman, Mark Millar and Brian K. Vaughn, and the mystery of Marvel editing, a tearfully thorough analysis of the current Avengers run, written by Jason Aaron, and the classic JLA run written by Grant Morrison, and much, much more in this two-and-a-half-hour start to the new year. Comments on this episode are available at waitwhatpodcast.com. Send us your questions at waitwhatpodcast at gmail.com, and we invite you to look out for us on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and Patreon. As always... We hope you enjoy, and thank you for listening. Jeff Lester. Graham McMillan, hello. Hello. Hey, Jeff, guess what? What? Happy New Year. Ha- Happy New Year to you, Graham. My goodness, yes. It is... This, is. this is the first time we're actually talking this year. I know. In 2020. Good God. So, yeah. Yeah. How about that? Take that, world. We're, we're exactly. ready for you. We made it. Yes. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I, I honestly don't know either. Uh, normally, this would be where I would sort of um, fluff and pad things out for, I don't know, a quarter hour or so. But instead, oh, I'll ask you. It's clearly, like, directly wanted to go into something. And, Jeff, that just makes me all all a tingle. Uh, does what does it, it you want to talk about? Well, uh, and this is this is surprising to me. Is Is everything okay with Jim Lee? Um, I what? Yeah, see, this is it. I, I have no idea what you're talking about, which makes me extra excited. Why do you ask that question? Uh, I just, I just came, I just, I, I checked Twitter at a few points th- today, uh, as well as posting a few things, and somebody had some uh post that was like um, uh, I think they were retweeting something by Gail Simone and that she was like, you know, in light of the news with Jim Lee, here's a comics pitch that I did that never quite came together. And I'm like, wait, what's the news about Jim Lee? So I just started searching and there was somebody who... Oh my God, is Jim Lee? Uh, no, I don't think so. Because if he is, like, none of the news outlets feel like reporting about it. Also... People people are doing this weird, like, it's sort of like, oh, Jim Lee in the news, but not in a Jim Lee is dead and that's the news kind of way. But I did have that weird moment of like, well, but then what the fuck is happening with Jim Lee? And it's literally, they're making it, I have, I have no idea. I honestly, it's one of those things where the news isn't moving fast enough and Twitter's being vague enough. So maybe it's nothing. Maybe it's just like... Oh, he's in the news because um, you know he's he's going to be at a comic con with like Donny Cates. So I, 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 I here's I, I I genuinely don't know. Yeah, I I have not heard I've not heard anything. But also I've been completely offline now until now. Right. It, um. So I don't know. It's probably just this fact that he's doing a Flash seven fifty variant cover i guess i mean i'm not really seeing much more that's all like crazy pants about it so so i i just wanted to double check in case you know because normally you're way ahead of the news yeah no i if something has happened i know literally nothing right um Um, 
There's so, some stuff that Dan DiDio talked about that apparently somehow I got snookered into reading Bleeding Cool for the first time in like 50 bajillion years. Uh, and I was thinking we could talk about that and maybe somehow uncover the mystery of what's happening to Jim Lee in the course of talking about the fact that Oh God! Wouldn't it be terrible if, like, we're literally like, yeah. So you know, DC's making this really weird decision, and then all of a sudden you're like, I've just got confirmation: Jim Lee is dead. Right? (laughs) Like, oh no, no. Yeah, I'm praying to God that is not it. But there is kind of this weird, like, also, you know, I would expect this of of other comic professionals. But Gail Simone would not be the person to be like, oh, Jim Lee is dead. Here's a pitch that I did that uh, he was going to do for about 15 minutes and then decided not to, you know, so. What's well, funny is so you said that and I literally was looking up um, Twitter and I just put Jim Lee in search. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that comes up is a Rob Liefeld post where he said Jim Lee was a proud successor to Burn. Yes! It was, it was just the past thing. Yes! And I was like, oh shit, is he dead? And then I look at like, it was January 6th. Oh, Thank God. Okay. Do you know what I mean? So it's yeah. like, no, he's, he's probably absolutely he's fine. He's absolutely fine. I do love the idea that we're making it sound like I'm trying to create, you know, a, a panic about Jim Lee. I'm not. I just, I saw something. I didn't know. I hope you knew. You know, so. Um, yeah, no, I, I honestly assume he's fine. Mm-hmm. I hope he is. Mm-hmm. But uh, we'll see. We, we, will, we will find out. Uh, what was, what was Dan DiDio saying? Um, what was he saying? Again, it was that thing. Uh, he was, he talked about how, um, Doomsday Clock was supposed to be in continuity, of course, and now it's, because of the publication concerns, it didn't quite end up, it was one of these things where DiDio is, been on a, uh, he was, answering questions on Facebook, maybe on the retailers board or something like that. And so there was a ton of stuff that ended up in here. Let's see. Is, is there, is this it? Do, 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 do. Yeah. So what did he say? Um, uh, no, no more lateness for, oh, right. That, um, that there was going to be a book that was going to the DC comics timeline was going to be a little bit different than what they had. Um, it, it's, it doesn't line up completely, but the sensibility, the purpose, the introduction of the JSA, the introduction of the Legion of superheroes, those are key aspects of what the timeline is. Once you see it on paper, it'll all make sense. Uh, one of the things that suggested that, um, it was, uh, this is good old bleeding cool. Um, I just had an ad shut down the whole fucking thing, of course. <laughs> I mean, here here's the thing about uh, Rich and the DC timeline thing in particular. Yeah. I think Rich got played, mm-hmm. and I think he can't quite admit he got played. Mm-hmm. Because he's been like, 5G, 5G's coming. Everyone in DC's talking about 5G. Fucking 5G. Right. And then in the last issue of Doomsday Clock, 5G is literally Earth 5G part of like the future of the dc universe that dr manhattan talks about but it's like in the same context as and then they team up with marvel in like 10 years time like 5g according to doomsday clock is coming in five years uh-huh right so i don't really believe it basically mm. and i think there's a lot of stuff about the timeline that's shifting this year mm-hmm. um 
that he basically like conflated the two. Right. And like he, he's like, well, they're all the same thing, and I don't think they are. Right. I think 5G is basically something that he got trolled on mm-hmm. and fell for, and the timeline is something else entirely. And so I mean, he's more or less pretending that they're the same, so it seems more yes, valid. Yes, and yeah. he's going to say something like, you know, plans changed. Right. Because it's much easier to say that than to say, actually, I got conned. I got completely snookered. So You know? Yeah. Um, I know a bunch about, of stuff about the timeline. Mm-hmm. Uh, from, I was going to say legitimate and illegitimate sources, which sounds really bad. I've been told <laughs> stuff directly from people who were involved, and I've been told stuff from DCPR. Uh-huh. Um, and, and so I have a better sense than most of what is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Obviously, not compared with people inside DC, but like I, I have a good idea, I guess is what I'm saying. Right. And it's definitely not what Rich has been saying. <laughs> well, he also had something where – well, anyway, it doesn't matter. I barely remember any of it. I was hoping that – what the the three – it's great. The three things that, that I was like, oh, I know we're going to talk about, that two of them – Jim Lee's apparently alive, everyone. And I, second, I so. you know, you're, you're like, who knows what the hell Rich is saying. Uh, the third thing is I think that uh, the comic book sales came out, were released for the previous <laughs> yes, year. Yes, they did. Yeah. Yes. And I think um, that's of interest. Yeah, it definitely is. Uh, before we move off things entirely, oh, sure. the DC timeline stuff is uh, – I'm looking at Blaine Cool right now. And uh, Motherfucker is running a story that uh, THR was going to run later this month. And clearly we're not going to anymore. Hooray. Oh, great. Um, so that's fun. It's mm. not the first time that's happened either, but mm. that that'll be the whole thing. Um, but because it looks like Dan DiDio has said it vaguely pub- publicly and, and Bleeding Cools now said it, uh, yeah, the timeline stuff does start in Wonder Woman 750 this month. Okay, right. Um, and I've read it. And Ooh. Yeah, I'm very fancy. Um, <laughs> that's exactly uh, what I thought. Fancy. It makes me... Uh, it makes me think. So you know they're doing the Wonder Woman 750 in January and they're doing Flash 750 in March? Yeah. I kind of wonder if they're going to be seeding the timeline in these special issues. This is this is sort of what uh, was alluded to between uh, DiDio and Rich. Yeah, because having read the story, mm-hmm. It is not uh, – like, do you remember in 52 they had the history of the DC Universe back up? And it was pretty much Dan Jurgens drawing people standing around and being like, and then on Tuesday this happened. And then on Wednesday this happened. <laughs> um, and the, the, Was the that the story... backup of 52? I thought those were yeah. like the origins by Mark Wade and usually no, – Before the origins, for the first like 10 or 12 issues of 52, uh, it's a Dan backup where they, have, where they have people being like, oh, and then, you know – Chris came down the stairs and he had superpowers, so he called him Superman. Um, <laughs> and it was it was ter- literally was talking heads. Like I, I seem to remember it was like two characters wandering around a room together mm. and being like, "Do you remember when Wonder Woman came about? Oh, do you remember when so and so?" And the the Wonder Woman issue is the Wonder Woman story, I should say, is not that at all. Mm. Um, it is a uh, uh, it's a story. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not just a talking head story. It's a, it's a, like a, a, a scene, mm-hmm. for a better way of putting it. Because again, these are, these are all short stories because right. it's an anniversary issue. Yeah, anniversary um, issue, yeah. But it, it happens in such a way mm-hmm. that it makes me think that there is a sequel coming. 
mm-hmm. either from the same creative team or another creative team, mm-hmm. uh, that makes me go, are they seeding these all through the year before doing the, the proper unveiling of the new timeline? Mm-hmm. Uh, and if they are, honestly, that could be fun. Yeah, I mean... It, it, uh, it, it's like, it's, you're not convinced. No, you know what it is? Is just I had that moment of sitting here being like, oh, that sounds kind of interesting. I'm like, wait. Because, as, as you know, one of DC's top-selling books was Detective Comics... Uh, a thousand. A thousand. And selling comical last year. You're right. And so the fact that they are seeding this in the Wonder Woman anniversary issue, the Flash anniversary issue, I don't know, maybe they'll throw something in Batman or not. I don't I don't know what else is coming up. But I was like, yeah, I mean, you know, could be fun, but if they're all placed conveniently in eight dollar anniversary issues, you know, of one sort or another, I'm like mm, I yeah, but I, again, like I think uh, – I see what you're saying. Right. But I think I'd have more problem if that was like the only way they roll it out. Yes. And I strongly suspect these are going to be like vignettes before the proper rollouts. And the okay. proper rollout will be like, you know, DC timeline rebirth, this time we mean it, number one. Right. You know? Right. Okay. Well, and, and again – And again, yeah. I could be wrong. I don't know details about that. Right. Right. I mean – I myself am pretty timeline agnostic, for lack of a better term. Like, part of me is kind of, you know, DC, like, I I don't really, I and this is, this is my problem. I am not the... Tra- like, I don't care. Yeah, I'm not the traditional comic book reader in that I kind of don't care about the scope of the larger universe. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And in fact, one of the Dio things uh, on the Bleeding Cool thing, uh, one of because there were like five or six, he milked it for five. Because or of six course articles. he did. It's like, of it's course, rich. yeah, of he, course. Like he could, he could literally run, you know, like, and you won't believe what Dan said next, but you'll have to wait for an hour. Yeah, and then it'd be like, and then he said goodbye. <laughs> but uh, but there was something that sort of sounded like the Dio was kind of regurgitating talking points that almost sounded like Marvel talking points, like something like it's very important that the stories matter, you know, and that it's got to take place in a, like the context of the universe or some, something that I was like, yeah. And, and that's, um, again, I, I like, I, uh, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of a good way of saying like, this is me talking. This is not what I've been told by other people. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. But I think one of the problems with um, the New 52 mm-hmm. and something that Rebirth went away towards fixing mm-hmm. um, was there, for all, like, post-crisis was, you know, theoretically a new beginning, right? right? And it was for a lot of characters, but it also wasn't. It was in media res. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you had Zero, which was really in media res. Like, it didn't really reboot that much. Right. And then you had Infinite Crisis, which again was in media res. Mm-hmm. And then the new 52 comes along and it's not in media res for once. Mm-hmm. It's like we've changed everything. Yeah. We've got rid of everything. Yeah. Um, and I think that was a problem for a lot of people. Right. Uh, and 
became more of a problem when it became clear that they didn't really have anything great to replace it with. Yeah, that and was some the big problem. Did. Like, there are good books there, right? Sure, absolutely. But it, overall, as a, as a line, as a universe, as a fictional construct, right? they're like, okay, we've gotten rid of, you know, 70 years of Superman history, and we're replacing it with this. You know, and you're like, <laughs> I'm reading George Perez's Superman. Right. Right. And uh, Wonder Woman's like got a new boyfriend, I guess, mm-hmm. and she's on television. Mm-hmm. You know, right? Um, and it was just like, oh, this this is a thing. I mean, I, I like, I, I guess this is what Superman is now. And then that could replace with like Scott Lobdell, and you know, and you take there was a sense for a lot of people i'm kind of like i'm kind of there i kind of understand it at least mm-hmm. of you, know, you got rid of all this stuff for nothing right no exactly you know? and i think and, and so the idea of like everything counts yeah is like makes sense and also for character for fans who are like i love the justice society mm-hmm. like they literally get rid of that and replace it with nothing yes you know, they're like, okay, there is a still a Justice Society, but they're on a totally different Earth, and it's also literally not the same characters or concepts as it was before. Right, right. It's just characters with the same name. But the twist is, Earth 2 used to be the older heroes, and now they're younger than the, <laughs> the main, like, you know, universe. Right. And it's like, okay, that's like that's literally the opposite of what the appeal was. Mm-hmm. And they're like, aha, new 52, everyone. And so, like, I understand the idea of being like, mm, okay. So you want the stuff that you love to still exist. Right. So the everything counts. For my money, at least, makes sense for that. Well, uh, uh, if that's the definition of everything counts, then I suppose I'm sort of semi on board. Although in my, you know. Well, I mean, the the timeline they showed in New York literally showed specific storylines. Right. As as demarcation points. Uh, No, literally – if it's literally like every story every publi- ever published counts, mm-hmm. like then you are in trouble. Well, because I, you have stories that are utterly contradictory. Right. Uh, so just to parse things out, because you know better than I, and I am have you know, am both dumb and talking out of my butt. But I assume that the everything matters point was a little bit more to the um, sort of Axel Alonso. Uh, everything matters point where where it's kind of like every story has to be big like the crossovers like oh no to, to, to the best of my knowledge mm-hmm. and this is fed by what i've talked to some people at dc about right everything matters specifically refers to all the history that fans love uh-huh it's back in play oh, i see okay so it's, it's essentially an expansion of what rebirth did right because right? Mm-hmm. rebirth was you know what people actually like about Green Arrow? They like Green Arrow and Black Canary sparring. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, we've not given them that for, for five years. Let's give them that now. Right. Or, you know what people really love? They like Superman and Lois together. Mm-hmm. So we give them Superman and Lois together. To, to the best of my knowledge, everything counts means that shit you liked is back. <laughs> like, what's the, what's the Twin Peaks thing? That yes, cult- that that gum you liked is, yeah, is yeah. going to come back in style. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's mm-hmm. that. It's yeah, the best of my knowledge. Yeah, yeah. Uh, huh. Well, yeah. I gotta say, I'm very split. Like, I personally can see the appeal of both sides. Like, I think that until Marvel f- made the mistake of assuming the success of the Ultimate Line 
was totally about like taking, you know, characters and then fucking up their Kool-Aid, something fierce. Like back when it was just like, okay, here's a new continuity that we can grow. Like here's a jumping on point for new readers that's going to match, you know, what sort of is more or less out there in the media or what we want to put out there in the media. I thought that that sort of made sense in a like, yeah, oh, I mean, okay. If, if you look at like Ultimate Spider-Man yeah, start, right? Exactly. Ultimate Spider-Man is basically, you can imagine him becoming the Spider-Man you're reading in the mainline books. Yeah, right. Right? Mm-hmm. Or the Spider-Man in the cartoon. Mm-hmm. But then you get like the Ultimates, mm-hmm. which is, well, this is definitely not the Captain America I know. Right. This is definitely not the Hulk I know. Right. And, and, it, to an extent, I also was kind of like, that's not necessarily a problem with me. The trick is you kind of, like, you're sort of like, well, this has to be consistent in a way. And one could argue that in this weird bleed-over way, um, you know, the conception of uh, Tony Stark's Iron Man in the Ultimates, because it did influence the way the character uh, was handled in the movie then turns around and influences the way the characters, you know, uh, characterized in the regular Marvel universe. Like, I'm sort of like, I'm fine as long as you sort of keep them separate. Like part of me, part of me understands there are people who want to read these characters without the, without the crushing weight of 75 years of history. And then there's the people who are already in the marketplace who are keeping the industry propped up by their complete and utter fixation on 75 years of history. And, well, that's that's the problem, right? Right. In theory, the New 52 is not a bad idea. Right. Exactly. Right? Because mm-hmm. it is the ultimate idea. Mm-hmm. Right? It's literally, what if you just start the stories afresh? Right. The problem is when you uh, – I was going to say the problem is when you do the Ultimates, but that's, again, not necessarily true. The problem is when you try and do it for 52 comics at once. Yes. And honestly, you don't have a plan. Yes, exactly. You know, and yeah. you and you also are doing it so many comics at once that, let's be polite, some of them are substandard. Well, some of them are substandard. And, I mean, the other way is because there's not uh, – there's not a plan editorial is being fussier and weirder and messier. And there's a strong tendency to stop and change direction suddenly. Exactly. I I mean, you only have to look at like the new 52 for that. The new 52, the new 52 is going to be 10 years old next year, Jeff. Isn't that fucking insane? But, um, crazy when that happens, um, it's, I think the next year is going to be a great time to look back at the New 52 as a whole, to be honest. Right. There's five years' worth of comics in there. Mm-hmm. And especially when you look at, like, the runs as a whole, mm-hmm. you do see, like, the stop start all all over the place. Like, mm-hmm. maybe Snyder's Batman is the one place you don't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? Or in titles that got killed really quickly. Yeah. Right. But, but in uh, anything else that lasted that distance, mm-hmm. like... You see editorial and and above editorial, like editorial and management, ch- change their mind repeatedly. Yeah, and go, oh shit, take it back. No, right. Uh, no, no, we mean this. Oh no, we didn't actually mean that. Right, right. You know, we mean this. Um, yeah. So that's that's. I mean, that is 
the new 52 is a, a, an incredible study for that to be perfectly honest and there's mm-hmm. there are some great comics in there mm-hmm. oh absolutely there are also yeah. some really not great comics in there mm-hmm. uh, but you know i'm i in a weird way like i am looking forward to next year's retrospectives mm-hmm. <laughs> on 10 years of the new 52 right right do you know what i mean mm-hmm. um but but you're right like it's it's not in theory in itself it's not a problem mm-hmm. also in theory the idea of everything counts is a problem right because you're running into the idea that you're creating a barrier for readers again yeah you know especially with again they showed the timeline in new york mm-hmm. and they're like okay so wonder woman first comes on the scene right. in like like in 37 mm-hmm. and just after one woman comes on the scene clark kent arrives on earth Mm-hmm. And just after that, Bruce Wayne is born, mm-hmm. right? And you're creating this like weird metatextual barrier now, right? Because it's not just that there is almost a century's worth of stories that people have to consider. Mm-hmm. You're also creating this additional suspension of disbelief mm-hmm. that Superman is literally almost a hundred years old. <laughs> Like Wonder Woman, you can kind of get away with. Honestly, Superman, you can kind of get away with by being like, maybe he has a superpower that causes him to age really oldly once, uh, slowly once he reaches adolescence. Sure. Fine. I mean, I mean, no, still. but yeah, of course. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No. Exactly. But, I mean, how does that? Ex- why isn't Lana Lang ninety? You know, yeah, or yeah, or, or again, Batman. Yeah. Right. Or or Dick Grayson, because you know that neither of those characters are going to be as old as they should be. Right. You know, if Bruce Wayne's born in 39, then Bruce Wayne is 81 years old right now. Right. Which makes no sense whatsoever. I mean, exactly. yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I, and again, there are ways to fudge that if you really want to. Well, but again, but why would you? Exactly. You why? Would you yeah. That? No, right. I I had kind of it, it creates like a metatextual interest, right? But also, like again, such such a barrier, right? Yeah, because not like even if you get over the why are these characters still active, mm-hmm. you then have to get over the second barrier that comes with that, which is how come Batman isn't either jaded as fuck or solving everything because he's been doing this for so long, right? Right? Yeah. You know? Yeah, no, I mean... Yeah, it, like, with the aging thing, you've also got, like, you know, again, why isn't Lana Lang, why isn't Lois Lane? Why isn't the Joker fucking 80 years old? Right. You know? Right. Why are... But even if the Joker's found a reason, why isn't the Riddler? You know, so say you say um, Bruce Wayne fell into Lazarus Pit in 1970, mm-hmm. right? And permanently frozen his aging process. Right. Why isn't Catwoman... 80 years old why isn't joker 80 years old why are did they all fall into less for bits well <laughs> you know i like, I, I mean part of me is like i just can't like it only makes sense to me in terms of it's a narrative faint you know what i mean like it's like you present that stuff and so to ask the questions in a way that's like it doesn't make sense like this is the year 2020 why is this character jumping around you know, that was, you know, ostensibly showed up on the scene back in 1941, unless you're pulling kind of a whole, oh, this is a mega event, you know, the time preppers, goatsy. Yeah. It's a story about why is every character 
younger than they should be. But again, even then it gets weird mm-hmm. because if Bruce Wayne is whatever, mid-30s, mm-hmm. because of frozen time, yeah. why does Jaime Reyes exist? Mm-hmm. You know, how, what about Damien? Right. When was Damien born? <laughs> you know? Like, it's just, it's so crazily problematic. Yeah. Um, and I've said this to creators who are working on this. Mm-hmm. And their answer is basically, we have an answer. Yeah. Like, but we can't tell you what the answer is. Mm-hmm. And I don't know... And I'm not calling any of them liars. I want to say that up front. But I don't know if I believe them. Not because I don't think they have an answer, because I think they might think they have an answer. Right, right. Well, but I don't yeah. know how strong the answer is going to hold up. Because again, if the answer is there's a mega event, mm-hmm. then you have all the things like that do fall in like amongst the edges. Is your mega event then that no character has aged? If every story counts, mm-hmm. then is the mega event that no character has aged? And if so, well, when was Damien born? Is he locked at 11 years old? Right. You know? Mm-hmm. Or, or like, what do you do? The one, when you said it was an hour to faint, the one thing I have been wondering mm-hmm. is if it's really a faint. As in this timeline we're being shown... Mm-hmm. And teeth is not real, mm-hmm. and is instead like the timeline for like Earth Two, mm-hmm. you know, and instead they're going to be like, no, here's the heroes as you know them. Here's actually where we are on our Earth now. Mm-hmm. We, we'll see, but there is apparently an answer. Well, the so- responsible. Believe they believe they know what the problems are and believe they have an answer. So I'm just going to say right now that considering bringing back the Legion was a big deal and seems to be high on the DC agenda, I'm just saying Time Trapper. Like God knows, Time Trapper was used to. to... Oh sure, like Time Trapper was was for like two seconds the villain of Zero Hour. Right. Uh, and and was even like the way that they had to construct the whole here's how you have Superboy in the Legion without yeah. having Superboy. So mm-hmm. part of me is like, yeah, yeah, they're going to be like, oh, okay, this will this will be the way. And and depending on how they do it, it there might be. I I actually enjoy sort of meta narrative feints of. Yeah, th- this could literally end up being something that is enjoyable and maybe even the meta comic that we want Doomsday Clock to be. Right, right. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. it. Who knows? Right. I am counting nothing out, especially knowing the people who are involved in setting this up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. However, it's to say it seems fraught with peril is an understatement. Sure. Yeah. Again, the story I've read in seven in Wonder Woman seven fifty is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's actually another story in 750 that is more fun because honestly it's just silly uh-huh. and I genuinely love it Riley Rosmo who's currently doing Martian Manhunter mm-hmm. illustrates a story by Shannon and Dean Hale who did the, the Wonder Woman YA book that just came out mm-hmm. but also Squirrel Girl novels for Marvel which I actually love Oh wow! and it is uh, it's silly it's literally like Wonder Woman is avoiding a f- telephone call from her mother. 
It's basically the gimmick. <laughs> um, and it's silly, but it's like charming as shit. Right. And Riley Rossmo's Wonder Woman is a thing of fucking beauty. Mm-hmm. Like really genuinely one like I'm really tempted to be like it's worth buying the comic just to see that but again it's an eight dollar comic it's not like yes. it's like a six page right. story yeah yeah but yeah. um but it, like it, uh, hopefully hopefully DC is going to promote that story and put preview images out mm-hmm. because Riley Ross uh, uh, one Roman in that issue is so great mm. so great mm-hmm. um yeah but th- there's that that uh, the DC timeline thing is one of the big stories I'm looking forward to this year mm-hmm. by which I mean. Uh, not stories I'm looking forward to reading, mm-hmm. but stories I'm looking to unfolding in real time. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm looking forward to seeing how DC handles it. I'm looking forward to see how they promote it. I'm looking forward to see what the reaction is mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to the idea of... Because if Rebirth was a mea culpa for New 52, mm-hmm. this is like an uber mea culpa. Mm-hmm. You know, this is really very much saying, you guys, we heard you you want all of this shit back, but we're doing it in a different way. And it comes down to, is this what the fans want? Uh, is this not? Like, is is it in theory, and then they're going to get it, and they're going to complain? Like, all of that is very interesting. See, where, where it does feel to me like there's, yeah, the 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 worry of the meta-narrative faint in, in this regard is a little bit the traditional tendency of... The, the editorial and prose can sometimes slip into, which is, no, 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 we know best. And kind of, if we're giving you what you want, what you demand you want, we're going to make sure that we give it to you in a way that you go, ah, I don't want this, so that we can be like, there, you see? You know, so, I don't well, know. I mean, that's... like, you know, this has, been, this has been around forever. Right. One of the things I keep, like, my one of my favorite examples of this is literally... Um, Nightfall, mm-hmm. you know, and, and Azrael Batman, where she was literally done because people were like, Batman should shoot guns and kill people. Mm-hmm. And everyone involved is like, that's a terrible idea, and we're going to make a, like a year's worth of comics to tell you why. Mm-hmm. In the most complicated way. We could do like one issue, but we would rather do a fucking massive crossover. <laughs> you know, like that's committing to the bit. I, right. I, like, I genuinely kind of love that. Right. Um, but again, yeah, it could be. It literally, it, there's so much um, unknown about this, and so much that feels a very DC, mm-hmm. and b very DC in the sense of like the potential for just completely fucking themselves over with this right. is enormous. Right. Right. Yeah. I, yeah, it's, it's something I'm really curious about for this year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Uh... To change subjects back, or maybe not. Uh, the was there anything that surprised you in the the review of the 2019 best-selling comics graphic there novels? There was et Jeff. Yeah, there was, and I'm glad you asked. But before <laughs> we get there, I want to take a mild diversion. Please. THR totally broke embargo on the story by mistake. <laughs> really? We oh. legitimately did. We published it a day early. Yikes. Because, like, genuinely by mistake, mm-hmm. here's the shocking thing: no one noticed. <laughs> I braced. I genuinely braced because mm-hmm. it was my fault. Mm-hmm. I braced for getting an email from Diamonds, being like, "We told you an embargo, and you just ran it today," mm-hmm. and I got nothing. 
Wow. And I was like, does that mean no one's reading? Or that everyone who read it thought the THR had the exclusive? Right. Or that Diamond really didn't just give a shit? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. But I'm like, I'd spent all of Thursday and Friday going, fuck, I fucked up badly. You know, it sort of makes sense, though. I mean, with with all due respect, I mean, it's not a... we're not not a comic book publication. Right. right? So, yeah, I quite believe that. I honestly quite believe, and I'd say this, knowing how many people read THR and knowing that that number is not zero, that no one who would care saw it. Right, right. You know, and and so few. Um, right. But I just I want to say that yes, there was there was actually some stuff that was really interesting to me in the 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 top. It's called like Diamond called them the top selling comics. That's not true, of course. It's the top ordered comics mm-hmm. of twenty eighteen. Mm-hmm. Um, I have the list in front of me. Do you want the list? Sure. So, in terms of dollar share and unit share, Marvel led both. Right. Marvel had forty percent dollar share, 44% unit share. If you round it up, it's basically 45% unit share. And DC had 29% dollar share and 30% unit share. Mm. Uh, again, it's 29 and 31 if you're rounding them. Right. Um, they are by far in the lead. Like, Image's third was 8% both times. Yeah. You know, which is, is like a massive drop. Mm-hmm. Um, Image, that said, is still massively above the next one, which is IDW, which is at 3.5% and 3%. Mm. You know, so like it's it's a really big drop. In terms of the top ten comic books, Marvel has seven of them. Right. Yeah, which, which is, is crazy. Yeah. General Chris, of those seven, three of them are Hickman. Uh, right, because it's Hawks Pox stuff. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Hawks Pox, uh, Hawks issue one, Pox issue one, and X Men issue one. X Men issue one is the third biggest seller of the month of the year, rather. Wow. Um. Which is nuts. Like, if you imagine taking that out, that's crazy that Marvel would lose three slots right there. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. Um, It also shows you quite why Marvel is doubling down on X-Men just as hard as they are. Right. Right. Oh, because that that was a massive hit. Black Cat is the fourth biggest seller of the year. That's insane. It it is insane. Like, there's nothing that explains that for me. Um, Every single... Marvel book that charts is the number one, with the exception of Marvel Comics 1000, which may, or may as well be a number one. Right. Um, of the three other non-Marvel books, Detective Comics 1000 is the best-selling comic of the year. Spawn issue 300 is the second best-selling comic of the year. Which is and crazy. Deceased, yeah, Deceased issue 1 is the, is the fifth best-selling comic of the year. Surprise for me, from that chart, Walking Dead's final issue isn't on there. Mm. Like, it genuinely was surprising. Um, seems honestly kind of weird. Um, but there you go. Like we were talking about Walking Dead's Walking Dead's readership was was falling. Uh, that seems to be reflected by the fact that the final issue, which apparently was a massive success over what previous issues had been, mm-hmm. doesn't make it in the top ten. Yeah. Well, I... right. I mean, part of it, of course, is, I mean, one would say to the extent that the top 10 comic books reflect uh, a number of factors, I would say one of the number one factors it, it reflects is promotion. Like, there's all of those books are pretty heavily um, promoted and pushed by the by the publishers 
in this top 10. The last issue of Walking Dead was a stealth last issue. Sure, but at the same time, like, was it made immediately available for reorder. Right. was reprinted. And yes. this is based on first orders. This is based on the year's orders, Jeff. Yeah, yeah. No, I know. I, I, I am aware. It, yeah. it, didn't, it didn't show up at all is, yeah. is honestly surprising to me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I'd I'd love to see uh, a list, and I know this probably doesn't exist. I'd love to see a sell through percentage in these books. Well, that's that's we're you know yeah that would be lovely to see, but that's always the grand mystery of the comics marketplace. Right? Or the direct yeah, marketplace. I, I, I yeah, I really would be curious in terms of the collected editions. Mm-hmm. Um, the surprise for me is that Marvel is entirely shut out of that list. Uh, yeah, I, there's not one Marvel book in the top ten uh, collected editions. Yeah. A, which is like for all that Marvel is dominant, mm-hmm. they're clearly their book their book department is still a complete fucking shambles. Yes. Um, surprise number two is that again, there's only one Walking Dead book on there, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's at number eight. Right. Walking Dead is outsold by Die, Volume One. Right. Uh, Monstrous Volume One is the fourth best-selling book of the year. Yeah. Which is again. Kind of surprising. No offense to Monstrous, but kind of surprising. Yeah. Uh, Saga is the second best. Watchmen is the first best-selling book of the year. Which is and again, nuts. Like, the HBO show probably significantly fueled that. I get that. Right. But still, that's insane. Yeah. Absolutely. I, mm-hmm. um, the, the list is for uh, collected editions. Watchmen at number one. Saga, volume one, at uh, number two. Umbrella Academy, volume one, at number three. Uh, Monstrous Volume 1 at number 4, Mr. Miracle at number 5, Die Volume 1 at number 6, Batman White Knight, the Sean Murphy book at number 7, um, The Walking Dead Volume 31, which I don't think is even the last collection. Yeah, I don't think I don't okay. think the last collection got out in time for the end of the year, but I could be wrong uh, with that. Killing Joke is number 9. Yeah. And Batman Damned is number 10. Right. Like... I am, again, I'm not the target audience, but I knew that White Knight was a big hit. Mm-hmm. But the idea that like White Knight and Damned are on the top ten books of the year, yeah, it's crazy to me. Yeah, no, no, no. Well, like, genuinely, <laughs> I, uh, you know what it is? I think, uh, uh, I think that Batman, White Knight, and Batman Damned, and honestly, for that matter, Batman Killing Joke, all probably rank up their high in that they are self-contained Batman stories. Sure, yes. I yes. mean, I think one of the things that is pretty interesting for this top-selling graphic novel by units is um, once you throw in Mr. Miracle and Watchmen, it looks like half of them are, you know, self-contained stories, right? Mm-hmm. And that's... Well, their first volumes of image books. Yeah, right, Exactly. I mean, there's a there's a lot of volume ones, and there's a lot of volume ones from from Image and Umbrella Academy, which had the Netflix tie-in. But I think I think that that actually does say something about. Uh, I don't know. You know, uh, I, think, I think it's I think it says something. I think it says a lot about the book market. And what's yeah. funny to me is, I don't think anyone remembers this. But when Black Label was initially launched at DC, it was not a mature reader's line. Mm. It was a line intended to create out of continuity evergreen projects, exactly like Killing Joke, like actually like Damned, which was a black label book, yep. but like Mister Miracle as well, yeah. Because 
DC had looked at the numbers and they went, oh, that's right. It's the books that aren't part of continuity that are the big sellers. Yes. Yeah. That are you know, their quote unquote evergreen right. titles. Yeah. yeah absolutely. You look at this and they're right. Yeah. But again, Black Label isn't that anymore. Right. Black Label is not an imprint, it's a label for mature readers' books. Yeah. And it's like, you guys, you fucked yourself yeah. in the ass. Well, I mean, uh, the thing that I think is, uh, we'll see. They What they may have decided was, um, you know, two of these titles are, I mean, I think, white. both White Knight and Mr. Miracle were not published as Black Label, and I assume are not coming out with the Black Label imprint on them, although I could be wrong. Uh, White Knight is. I think White Knight is actually a Black Label we can collect edition. It would make sense to me, considering the mature material. Yeah, well, of course, as is, I think, Killing Joke now, too, as well, right? I think so. I think it was reissued as a Black Label book. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So I... I think that they, you know, maybe some of these things will not be published as black labels in the, like, black label will be the mature readers label for the periodicals and then become the shorthand. For, I don't know. All I know yeah, is, I, yeah, I, I, don't, I really it's don't know. 2020 and two of the top 10 graphic novels are by Alan Moore and they're by Alan Moore like 30 or 40 30 years, years. yeah and that's that is i mean that to me that's I, it, kind of it, stunning it's not you know? yeah the best-selling graphic novel of 2019 was watchmen yeah it's just also i, I should tell you i actually looked into when the last volume of walking dead was published mm-hmm. published in, in august jeff oh wow hmm. and it still didn't chart mm-hmm. really that's weird yeah. yeah i i think well i think I think what possibly what happened was, which I think you had mentioned um, back around the time that uh, sort of the last issue of Walking Dead came out and to me seemed really unremarked upon, is I do think that uh, maybe more of the Walking Dead steam uh, in, in trades and individual issues were being carried by people who came to the comic through the show and were keeping with the comic in a way of trying to be a step ahead of the show. And maybe once Rick Grimes died on the series, it had the weird effect of strangely enough, even though the the show is still running. The the people just dropped off. Yeah. The people just dropped off the comic that they were essentially kind of like, Oh, then then this doesn't matter, you know, and this doesn't matter in a way that's, you know, the timeline is the next five volumes that I bought don't matter, you know, and therefore I'm just out, you know, I don't know. I think, I think there is so much fascinating fucking stuff going on about the walking dead, why it sold what it did and, and why it's not now. Because even still, you know, like, how do you how do you map those things? The Walking Dead TV show is not as big as it used to be. It's still for still massive. It's still massive by by today's TV marketplace, you know, and the the number of people that it had at its height was amazing for, you know, for 
today's TV and staggering when you factor in the fact that it was on a cable network. So yeah, it's still, it's still a very, very strange process, but I do wonder if maybe the fandom at a certain point just migrated over to the show, you know, and either, you know, left the comics behind at, at, there was a, an attrition rate that sped up remarkably um, once Rick Grimes was killed on the show. I don't know. I just, but I do. I, mean, I, I want to know. Rick wasn't killed on the show. Well, sorry. I mean, he left the series, right? I keep forgetting because I don't watch it that he's going yeah, on no, to do movies and whatever. Yeah. But you know what I'm saying? But again, like, like you, yeah. but you think that again, the people who were reading the comic thinking, well, this is what's going to happen to Rick Nets. Theoretically, that still holds, right? Because Rick is left alive in the show. Well, he is, he is left going to reappear. Yeah, sure. But yeah, the idea that he's going to be, I don't know you know, leading all out war against Negan. You know what I mean? I don't know. I don't know. No, I, 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 I like, I know what you're saying. I just, yeah. I'm not sure how, I'm not sure how much water it holds because again, he wasn't dead. So the theory is that people were buying it because they thought that it was a, a glimpse into the future of the show. Right. Then right. why does it stop being right. like, it's literally just that Rick doesn't leave the group in the comic. Right. That they're like, well, this doesn't count anymore. That seems very tenuous. But again, it's not impossible. It's not impossible. We do know that suddenly things started dive diving bombing, and I'm still somewhat dubious about the idea that uh, that Kirkman was like, "Oh, ha ha ha! We faked you guys out. We did the fake solicits." But yeah, this this was my this was my plan all oh, along. Wait, no, no, I, yeah, I don't yeah. I don't believe that for a fucking yeah, second. Especially because the issue was really long as well. Like it very much led, felt like he was just combining the work they'd already done. Yeah. Right. Oh, right. You mentioned that, which is right. Even with the break and everything, it was like clearly looked like it was written as two separate issues and drawn as two separate issues and then just sort of mushied together. I don't know. Graham, uh, the Walking Dead thing is weird. Monstrous is not surprising to me. But yeah, I do wonder. I mean, it, 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 Monstrous surprises me that it's that high, to be honest. Honestly, no offense to Kieran, Die being number six is surprising to me. Uh yeah, hey, maybe. I mean, maybe. I I like, personally honestly, just, like everything beyond. Honestly, maybe even everything beyond the like Umbrella Academy number three is kind of odds to me. Well, I mean, like yeah. I'm surprised that Damned is on the list. Batman Damned is on the list at all. Right. I'm surprised that The Walking Dead's penultimate volume is on the list, not in its final volume. Right. I'm surprised that Die is so high on the list. I'm surprised that Monstrous is so high on the list. Honestly, I'm surprised that Mr. Miracle is so high on the list. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, it's it's just like... The other thing that's funny is this is the diamond list for collected editions. Mm-hmm. Mm, right? Mm-hmm. What happens when you look at the other distributors' numbers? Right, right. Like, does that throw all of this out? Yeah, I can't wait to see the book scan numbers for 2019. Yeah, the book scan numbers for 2019, I think, I mean, are going to be significantly different. I would, I would hope so because this is such a weird list. Like you said, for the diamond list of top graphic novels, it's really fucking weird. So yeah, it's really, really strange. Yeah. So yeah, you know, when you're asking, is there anything interesting? Yeah, like the the the. Honestly, the collected edition list kind of fucking doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, yeah, it's a. Uh, it and honestly, the periodical list just kind of makes me think. Yeah, Marvel is like really worked out how to make those number ones count. Mm-hmm. 
you know, like War of Realms number one, Powers of X number one, House of X number one, Marvel Comics thousand, Absolute Carnage number one, and Black Cat number one. Yeah. Like Black Cat in particular, I think everyone at this point is like, sure, I, we know that Art Gem covers hell, but still. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't know. I got to admit that the Black Cat one's surprising to me. D- Deceased is kind of weird, too, I think. You know, Deceased was a legit hit. Was the weird thing? No, I know, I know. Which like, is kind I, of and again, yeah. I like Tom Taylor a bunch, mm-hmm. but the idea that like it's The Walking Dead with DC superheroes was that big a hit is odd. <laughs> well, uh, or I mean, you could look at it. I mean, if you want to flip it, look at the success that Marvel had with Marvel Zombies. You know what I mean? Um, I I think I mean, true. that was like a legit hit back in the day as well. Exactly. So I think that there's a little bit of the uh, one of the things that I thought was smart about deceased, as you know from talking to me. Admittedly, I'm a clod and barely follow anything, but I didn't really. I read that first issue and had no idea it was like an alternate uh, reality tale. You know what I mean? And it was kind of. I was kind of like. Uh, okay, this is in continuity. What you know? So and and uh, I mean, as it as it goes on, I think one of the things that I find fascinating is is that Tom Taylor is uh, is a surprisingly he sort of he's sort of the DC equivalent of Donny Cates or something in that he. He seems to uh, he seems to know his fan base very well and know what they appreciate from him. I also think yeah. that Taylor is it seems very very good at if you can find the right line to walk uh, at DC, which I feel like Scott Snyder has and Jeff Johns has. I think Tom Taylor has as well, and I can never understand why he doesn't get put on anything larger if there's just some sort of i mean he he's literally just started suicide squad yeah but i mean that's kind of my point we'll see where it goes like suicide squad i mean it's a sort of yeah maybe a big title but also kind of uh well i mean again how big a title is it yeah because, exactly like, don't go wrong there is a movie coming out but the movie's not coming out for another year right so i mean there's a lot of and and especially after how heavily um, Suicide Squad underperformed, I feel, with Jim Lee on the fucking title for, you know, a, whatever, 12 issues or whatever it was. You know, it was... I, I, I'm just I'm just surprised, because to me... And I think Taylor may do very well in Suicide Squad, but considering... The, the first issue was really strong. I really liked his first issue. Considering how well DC sold and how well Injustice, a video game comic book tie-in sold. Um, yeah, Justice was massive digitally. Right, you know, and, and I think it's actually done well in its collected editions as well. It seems a little odd that they are continuing to sleep on, on Tom Taylor, because I feel like he sort of knows how to hit the right mix of... I kind of have a theory about that. Really? I think that he slept on because he doesn't sign an exclusive contract. Ah, see, that's what I had thought as well, actually. That they offered him one and he wouldn't know. Yeah. yeah. I think, I I don't know if he's been offered one or not. I literally have no idea. But the fact that he's doing, 
Marvel books and DC books at the same time, right? I think keeps both companies from offering him a significant book. Yeah, yeah, that's. I think there's. I think there's a strong element of truth to that. Um, you know, because I, I think both sides are like, well, we don't want to really loop him into the big plans, right? Because what if he tells the other guys? Well, I mean, there's that, but I think there's also kind of that weird confusion. Also, of- I- What's what's a Sorry. big book? Sorry, I mean you know he well, was no, no, given I, a Spider Man title, which used to yeah, mean yeah, something he was way given, back like, when. Like the second Spider Man title, do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, because there is there's Amazing Spider Man, and then there's you know generic alternate Spider Man title, right, right, which Marvel never promotes, right, and like just puts out there and like, hey, do you like this Spider Man comic? There's another one, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, um. But also, like, he was given Iron Man back after Axis. Right. He did Superior Iron Man. But at the same time, that was really felt like an afterthought mm-hmm. for Marvel. Mm-hmm. Because they were just playing for time until Secret Wars. Right. I, I mean, his, his Iron Man book lasted less than a year. Well, or he was on Wolverine after Logan left. But that I think that's actually another example of... Not a book that I've read, but has a significant online fandom. Yes, yeah, had a really big fandom. And I mean, but that's just it. Like again, we say he's not been given a good, a big book. He had X Men Red for a year, and X Men Red was actually really fucking good. Right, right. Well, yeah, again, and uh, it was like X Men yeah. book number three. Yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah. It, like after they spent all the time bringing Jean Grey back, it was the Jean Grey book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, but again, like I'm surprised that really at DC they haven't given him anything more. Yeah, about. and that's that's that but is like, the one. Justice that really me. performed for them. Yeah, Deceased really performed for them. Absolutely. And honestly, both cases outperformed what people expected. Yeah, far and away. So I, uh, yeah, didn't go. Hey Tom, you really? I also know that he did like um, was it Batman Annual last year? Mm. Oh yeah, that's right. Uh, mm-hmm. During during King Run, that was really good as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It really feels like you know. Tom, you really clearly like Superman and Batman. Why don't you have the Superman Batman title? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like the one in continuity, not Superman Batman, but Batman's dead and Superman's a zombie. <laughs> Batman Superman, but Superman's a mass murderer and Batman's leading like a renegade uprising against him. You know, why can't you just have like the fucking Superman comic? And you know, Bendis is on there, so of course not. Right, but. Do you see what I mean? Like, it's surprising yeah. that DC doesn't actually, for want of a better way to put it, invest in him. Yes. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and, which is... And is maybe they will questions. after Deceased did so well. You know? Maybe Suicide Squad is step one. Right. Maybe. I mean, but how do I put it? Compared to the investment that they put into Scott Snyder, after Scott Snyder did... American Vampire and Detective Comics, you know, it still feels yeah, it yeah. feels a I, little uh, or, yeah, or meager. Tom King. Yeah, or right? Tom King for that matter. Yeah, exactly. Like, Tom King gets Batman right. after he does a Mega Man Sheriff of Babylon. Oh, and Grayson. On Grayson, yeah. Yeah. But but do you see what I mean? Like it's no, it's absolutely it, it's, it mm-hmm. still feels strange that Tom Taylor hasn't been given more. And I honestly think it comes down to the fact that he's not an exclusive creator. Yeah. Because the other thing, of course, is it's hard for either publisher to really promote him right. if he's also doing work for the for that's, the office. Well, company. right, and that's probably it. It's like it's one thing if you you know promote it. DC doesn't want to promote Tom Taylor's brand because it's just promoting you know friendly neighborhood Spider Man. 
you know, as much as it's promoting suicide. Exactly. Squad. Like, like DC can't be like, yeah. you like deceased. Why do you read Tom Taylor's other comics? Because then Marvel could justifiably be like, yeah, like his Spider-Man comic or his X-Men comic. Right. Or his Wolverine trade collections. So, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's uh, weird. What a, what a, what a weird year, a weird year in comics, at least looking at the charts. So. Um, yeah, it was fair. like that. Those charts are super, super strange. And again, things underperforming. Again, I can't get my head around the fact that The Walking Dead's end did, didn't end up in either chart. Yeah. Um, and things overperforming. Mm-hmm. Like it, that that collect, book collection chart is is nuts to me. Right. Right. So, boof is the short version. Yes, is the short version is boof. Uh, yeah, yeah really odd uh and then i feel again yes i i want to spin off something in there though sure um did you see the robert kirkman news this week i did not uh so you know how he's doing a new series with chris amney launching on free comic book day oh yeah i think i heard that yeah 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 Yeah, it's it's not it's launching the week before because they're putting out a trade collection of previously unreleased material on the wednesday before free comic book day wow Oh. Yeah, they're doing. They're dropping an entire gra- original graphic novel worth more than eight issues of the comic, right? As volume one of the comic, the mm-hmm. Wednesday free comic they, they announced this week. Wow, that's crazy! It's ballsy as shit, right? Well, I I do sort of like the way that Kirkman keeps trying to figure out something like uh, something different, and also yeah. a new to break the market, not yeah. break as in destroy but break as in have an impact yes yeah 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 like the fact that he you know was it first issue oblivion song was like a buck or whatever but then he's like yeah didn't he also give like the first like like advanced reader copies of the first oblivion song trades to retailers before the first issue dropped exactly yeah he had the entire first arc it feels like it feels like the same thing right yeah exactly exactly you know that or Die, 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 dropping um, with, you know, so, yeah, no, as a no free overship. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, I, re- I appreciate the fact that he's still trying to figure out a way to make that, um, make it, make it viable, you know, uh, I appreciate that he, you know, it does seem like somebody who has accrued a ton of capital, um, from it, the walking dead yeah he's yeah. actually trying to use the, it yeah but the other thing is part of me thought this was incredibly smart because i think kirkman is a trades driven writer not necessarily that he writes for the trades because i don't think he does but i think his audience is really in trades yeah right and having a trade that people can pick up after they pick up the free issue on free comic book day right seems astonishingly smart yeah i think so i think so i sure hope so i mean it it's um you know i think kirkman watching the interaction between kirkman and brian hibbs you know from a certain distance sometimes closer (laughs) sometimes farther away vantage point yes from the vantage point like and and a lot of it happened in in public but i do know that also hibbs also shot him emails and you know he kept you know he basically kept upbraiding crookman and saying like look you've got to get this in you've basically you have to ship every month 
be there on time, you know, and don't dick around with your numbers and give us consistently high product. But, but he was very much like, you've got to be reliable so that we, so it's worth it for the so retailers to, to hand sell you. Yeah. We rely on you. There's, we're not going to take the time to hand sell you if you're just going to disappear in a year. And I feel like, Kirkman has kept trying to figure out ways to to take that into account or to do that. He's like, okay, well, you know, Outcast, you know, ships like clockwork. Let's try Oblivion Song where the people have read the trade and they know that, you know, I've assured them that the first 18 issues are coming out one way or the other. And so they've, they're, they have the opportunity to really hand sell it. It could be that both of those books were kind of, you know what I mean? Like maybe, maybe Kirkman, I, I think, I think there is a chance for him. I mean, again, like Chris Samney, like who, who, I mean, I'm going to at least look at that because Samney I mean, that's is the fucking thing. amazing. The I, the, yeah. The idea is terrible and it's a shame because it's like a Samney, like Matt Wilson book. So it's going to look astonishing. Right. And Kirkman, for all his faults, uh, there's something uh, – how, how can I put this properly? Like I feel like, he, I feel like he has an appeal in the same way that, like Bill Mantlo does or Old School 2000 AD does. Mm. Like mm-hmm. I, feel, I feel like he knows where the pulpy appeal is for shit. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like I feel like he's, he's solid if honestly to me – pretty unremarkable as a writer yeah. but i feel like he knows to be like you know you know what's great this is awesome mm-hmm. like this is dumb but exciting and right. you're like okay it is dumb but exciting right uh, so it but the, i like honestly the idea is just terrible really what is the idea i don't so the comics for firepower right uh-huh and it's about a guy called Owen Johnson, which in itself is incredibly amusing to me because that is one of the publicity people for 2080. Um, it's about a guy called Owen Johnson who uh, – it, it's basically Iron Fist. He's, he's, he's trying to possess the firepower, which is the power, Jeff, to throw fireballs from your hands. <laughs> And definitely in the preview pages, there's like a Conlon like analog. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so it looks like somewhere between like Avatar, The Last Airbender, and Iron Fist. Right. Which, eesh, you know, <laughs> not exciting. But at the same time, like Chris Samney and yeah. Matt Wilson. Right. You know? Right. Uh, and again, I like the idea that there's going to be this trade available immediately. Sure. Right. So. We'll see, it, but it's it's probably going to be like as much of a hit as Oblivion Song or Outcast, which is to say it sells respectable numbers but doesn't set anyone's world on fire. Yeah, 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 exactly. No pun intended. Yes, um, it's been an hour five. I figure you're a minute away from buzzing, so why don't we jump? I'll call you back in two. Um, we can talk a little bit if you want to about the fact that Robert Kirkman is in his own way, um, the boring version of mark miller and what horrible things that really says in many ways maybe about both of them did you mute yourself graham hello i did but that, <laughs> i was burping um, i'm burping really badly i'm sorry um that's fine yeah i know no, let's 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 come back and talk about the robert kirkman mark miller 
Taxes. Uh, yes. Frankie Boy falls in that. All of them high-profile writers. All of them high-concept writers. All of them wrote Ultimate X-Men. Oh, nice. Look at you connecting the dots. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it didn't Hickman write Ultimate X-Men as well, too? Or no, he just went on no. to do the Ultimates oh, no. in ways. Yeah, maybe he did write Ultimate X-Men when it relaunched. Uh, I, yeah, that may be. Anyway, you can check those stats because that's a beautiful, scary theory there. Here, here's what I can tell you. Mm. Jonathan Hickman did not write Ultimate X-Men. Really? When it relaunched, he was writing Ultimate Comics Ultimates. They remember, <laughs> great name. And it said Ultimate Comics X-Men, which was the companion title, was written by none other than Nick Spencer. Oh, Nick Spencer, who... Also missed being part of the the. It looked like he could have broken through with that Miller Hickman, uh, Kirkman. I remember Morning Glories, and everyone was like, "Fucking Morning Glories is like lost." And then it, they were like, "Oh wait, Morning Glories is like lost." <laughs> I like, do Morning remember Glories. that because you were like, kind oh, of that person. Man. You were one of those people, Graham. Yeah, I, yeah, I really liked that until yeah. I kept reading the trades, and then I was like, "Wait." Where is this going? And the answer was literally nowhere because they stopped making it. Wow. That's some shit. That's was really shitty. Nowhere. There was there was a tweet at the start of this week that was like, here's here's a list of all of the Image Comics titles which have stopped publishing mid-story arc. Oh, how did I miss this? This is my type of tweet. And it was like, it was literally just bitchiness. It was just listening to like 16 or something. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, yeah, that's that's something that like lots of people don't talk about. Mm-hmm. Like not even like doesn't finish the overall story arc, but like doesn't finish like one particular six issue storyline. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I lost my shit about that with Bitch Planet, right? Like, I don't even know if they're still publishing, but like that whole two years between issues or something. And then it came back as a mini series or whatever. I yeah, was just like, it's an anthology series by other people. Right. Which I was just like, Ugh, yeah, that, uh. but yeah, like, wow. Morning glories just kind of quit. That's, that's gotta be, it's, it's, we're kind of look. I feel like comics fans are lucky. That doesn't happen more often in many ways. Um, you know, what bugs me is uh, when you have licensed properties that are being published by someone and someone does like the first year of an arc and someone's like, mm, yeah, that didn't sell enough. And then so like the six million dollar man, which I was following the, you know, season six or whatever, where the person had really watched this show and put a lot of work into weaving together this big story the first year of which sets up everything. And then maybe it was six issues. I think it was actually a full 12. And then that was it. And then oh, two yeah. years later, it, it came back but, as... But here's know. the thing. Like, Dynamite does that for books that aren't even licensed. Like, Project Superpowers, which is, like, the, the, the Golden Age comics which are in the public domain. Yeah. yeah. I, they have, have quietly rebooted that like three times in the last few years. Really? Yeah. Wow. They never finished the story arc that Alex Ross and uh, Jim Kruger. Jim Kruger. Yeah. Like left unfinished. Then oh. it was brought back uh, with, uh, fuck, Warren Ellis writing. <gasps> like he, he wrote like a five-issue a five miniseries. Wow. And then it was brought back by Rob Williams just like this last year. 
man. That was clearly like the start of something bigger and just just didn't like stops. Although one of the things I read this week, Jeff, was Wolverine and the Infinity Watch. I think it's just called Wolverine colon Infinity Watch. First of all, Marvel's use of Wolverine between bringing him back from the dead and the Hickman comics is so hilariously we actually don't know what to do with this character. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a case study. Mm. And we brought him back for the IP and no one has any real idea. Right. It's also a case study in abandoning storylines mm. and then just hoping no one notices. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but Wolverine Infinity Watch is literally taking up the fallout of the Infinity Stones becoming people at the end of, God, whatever it was called, Infinity Wars, I think it was called. Really? The crossover. Uh, Um, mm -hmm. But by bringing Wolverine in, reminding everyone that in Marvel Legacy, Wolverine has an Infinity Gem. Yeah, right. Uh, And then going, that wasn't really Wolverine, because it can't be, because it doesn't tie in with the Charles Soule bring Wolverine back from the dead thing at all. In fact, it's in direct contradiction. Uh, and then going, that wasn't Wolverine. It's Wolverine from the future where he's the Phoenix. He disguised himself and de-aged himself and pretended to be Wolverine, even though at that point Wolverine wasn't back from the dead, but that's fine. Let's fudge that. <laughs> he's going to take care of all the uh, the people who are now Infinity Gems, but ends after five issue with just one character being used. One of the five gems. Wow. And it is the most hilarious, fuck, what do we do? We have to tie this plot off. How do we shit? We've got this other plot we need to tie off. Fuck. Okay, maybe we do this. Ah, shit. No, we've just cancelled the book. Never mind. Wow. Like, breathtakingly so. Mm -hmm. By the last issue, it's clear that no one gives a shit about anything other than getting out of one piece. (laughs) It's... genuinely jaw-dropping wow just how much of absolutely no fucks people give in that comic right right yeah so yeah so it's not it's not just dynamite but yeah dynamite do it a bunch dynamite well dynamite do it yeah, yeah yeah well and as you point out image does and it is it is something that um i i I grew up in the golden era, Graham, where like books got canceled in mid run, and then the writer, because they were writing six other well, yeah, Marvel and, books, yeah, and then it fucking show up in Fantastic Four. Yeah, exactly. It was like, oh, Nova, Fantastic Four, Skull Slayer, Marvel two and one. You know, blink and you miss it, and there's the resolution, like the resolution of the fucking Iron Fist storyline by Claremont and Byrne, right there in Marvel Team Up. They're like, sure, we'll finish it up now. Spider Man can watch. You know, and that's <laughs> I, I I episode title right there. Spider Man can watch. <laughs> so yeah, I I personally I'm I I feel very spoiled by that idea of like even even something like Omega the Unknown, which I didn't know was being uh, tied up and put to a close against uh, Steve Gerber's wishes sort of wrapped up on an Ed Hannigan written issue of Defenders and it was kind of Stephen like... Grant please oh was it ah shit yeah. thank you yeah I love that yeah yeah look at me check me out no no it's honestly because uh, one of the first things I did when I got Marvel Unlimited was like see if that issue was there and it wasn't because they didn't have Defenders for the longest time yeah yeah right now they've got a 
oh, they, 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 it's an it's it's an embarrassment of riches, or maybe just an embarrassment over at uh, Marvel so Unlimited these sure, days. Literally, just embarrassment. Yeah, 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 yeah. Woof, woof, woof. Um, huh, that's weird. I wonder when Ed Hannigan left Defenders. I remember maybe it was right before that storyline. No, I think that actually might, he, Ed Hannigan might have. I think he drew it, drew it for one thing, but I think he might have to only taken over as writer after. Huh, that's funny. I thought that he. I could be wrong. Uh, it's, you know, everyone's like, oh, let's listen to old man Lester be like, no, it was David Anthony Kraft and Keith Giffen, and then Giffen left, and Ed Hannigan was drawing, but then it was David Anthony Kraft, but then Kraft left, and then Ed Hannigan was writing and drawing until, but I have no idea, because I'm clearly wrong about the wrap-up of Omega, all of which is to say, yes, people just drop this shit all over the place, and I'm like, please clean up after yourselves. Or even if you're going to be the writer that picks up the character, you know, dust them off, explain what they've been doing, you know, and then be like, yes, uh, everyone thought that I was actually killed by Dr. Doom. But what I did was I paid the tinkerer to reprogram a Doom bot to fake my own death so that I could get out of my gambling debts, you know. Now it's just like, oh, he was dead? I, huh, who knew that? Yeah, like, who, wait, who remembers when he died? Exactly. Yeah. You should because you're the writer, and Tom Brevoort should because he was the editor when that character died. You know. Jeff! Jeff. <laughs> yes, Graham? For, okay, two things. One, Ed Hannigan finished his run as writer the issue before the Omega the Unknown. Uh, sorry, I just looked into it. Son of a dick! Okay, thank you for listening. Thing number two. Uh, people will see this in the Wait What Tumblr next Thursday because I've already done the, the upcoming week's posts. But I've been catching up with Marvel Unlimited and Marvel books over the last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a, there came a point where I was like, I'm not sure people, editors are doing what they used to do. <laughs> because in the last year... Uh-huh. Galactus has appeared three times mm. in three different series that don't reference each other. Mm-hmm. But in each storyline, Galactus is basically taken advantage of by another villain. <laughs> <laughs> he shows up in Fantastic Four. Right. Where he comes to feed on Earth, like, fuck knows why. Mm-hmm. I think there is, like, there's a hand-wavy explanation, but, like, short version, he comes to feed on Earth, and Doctor Doom uh, captures him and uses him to uh, siphon off the power cosmic and provide power for Liberia. He then escapes from that, thanks to Fantastic Four, because of course, and maybe like a month later, shows up trying to eat a planet in Doctor Strange, (laughs) where he gets sent to the mystical realms and gets, gets drunk on magic, short version, and then taken advantage of by Dormammu. Okay, I, I know what you mean by taking advantage of, but there's part I, of me. Yeah, I, okay. I, yes. I'm like fanfic exactly. writers, like know, start I, your no. engines. Yeah. He, he gets, uh, he gets mildly possessed, shall we say, by Dormammu. Uh-huh. Um, and then just this, like two weeks ago in the first issue of Thor, which was published 
I think, like, four months after this Doctor Strange story. Oh, wow, right. Galactus just, like, falls down almost dead. Mm-hmm. And is like, there's another villain. You've got to be my new, like, herald. Right. And to it's Thor. like... Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wait. <laughs> a, why is Galactus always getting his ass kicked these days? And B, why is he getting his ass kicked three times in a year? Yeah. Like, does that not seem weird? And honestly... Shouldn't Tom Brevoort be stepping in? Right. Yeah. And going, you know, like one of you guys has to not use Galactus. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. It's, it is, well, but I think, I think, strangely enough, I feel that Marvel's facade has. Like, strangely enough, Marvel doesn't give a shit. Well, see, this is it. I don't know, I don't know if Marvel ever gave a shit but they somehow did the way of i think they did a better job than dc of faking it in in certain ways you know like it was kind of like marvel looked like an utter and total shit show but i mean it was like well there's some good books coming out of there and or they somehow managed to make it from event to event and you can see where this is going and this is coming and this has been lined up there's not really as much of a sense of you know even if even if sales is dictating what the storylines are going to be they're dictating it like a year in advance it's not dan didio had some kalua and cream and stumbled in and insists now that you know batman has to marry robin and yes his own son you know and do with that what you will um you know it's like i kind of feel like marvel has like hearing that stuff about galactus or shit about wolverine it's kind of there's it i feel like I admittedly was not paying attention to to Marvel that much at all anymore, but it seems it seems very DC ish of them, and not necessarily in a good way. Of well, I I mean certainly Marvel has increased its publishing capacity over the years to where they're cranking out so many titles. They probably just literally whatever tenuous ability they had to coordinate or communicate is just gone is gone and they don't they didn't care before but at least it was something that could be managed or at least there were people who cared enough to make sure that there was kind of a fast and loose kind of thing i mean one of the things that i appreciate about marvel is there's still a certain leeway you look i mean you know al ewing is doing great work on immortal hulk and clearly puts a lot of care and research into who the characters are what they should be and where they've been you know so it's not just uh it's not just you know like people are people are trying over there but but it also seems like what they are doing uh something's happened such that that nothing it doesn't work anymore the system does its system is not is no longer working it seems mm-hmm. broken in a in a different way than it was broken before. I think, you know. Well, yeah, it, it's it was just funny because it was when I first read the because I read the the Doctor Doom story when it came out, mm-hmm. and then I was rereading it this time uh, in part because of you, Jeff. But we'll get to that in a second. Oh my goodness! 
I, uh, I I was like, oh, Galactus, well, you know, I'm still kind of pissed that in the Infinity War story, I think Infinity Countdown, they undid Galactus being a life bringer. Yes. For obviously no reason. Right. Like, it, it did nothing. Right. Uh, and I was like, well, you know, I guess, you know, this is someone trying to do something with the idea that Galactus is back to normal. And then I read the Doctor Strange thing, and I was like, this is this is fine, but also like we've just read a Galactus story, right? This like look if we must, and then seeing the third thing, I was like, for the fuck's sake, really? <laughs> <laughs> like I like Galactus a lot, and this is enough Galactus, thanks very much. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, the Galactus they had to. It, it's precisely when Galactus starts showing up multiple times a year that you that someone wisely decides to kill Galactus off so that you can at least leave him alone for a year or something. But yeah, that sounds, that sounds, that sounds like a mess. Uh, Graham, that sounds yeah, like a mess. It, and, and honestly, it, it kind of reads like one. Mm. Jeff, the reason I was reading Fantastic Four was yes. that I, um, I was because I went back and I was reading Marvel books for the la- from last year. And I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to do this. The reason I got started with that was I went back to read Avengers based on what you said. Do you remember last time? Oh, uh, yeah. Right, right. Um, Avengers, like, JLA, yeah, Morrison. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You're mm-hmm. so wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I somehow knew this was coming. Okay, fine. Work work me over with the uh, with the Blackjack. Uh, Here's Graham, tell me more. Mm-hmm. And I even went back to read Morrison's JLA afterwards. Because oh I was like, am I wrong? Am I misremembering? Yeah. And I'm not. But this is what I think has happened. Uh-huh. Why do you like Morrison's Jelly? Uh, I feel... What's the appeal of Morrison's Jelly to you? Uh, big stories with a good mix of classic and new characters. And that's it. I'm not being sarcastic. Is that it? I I don't I mean I don't reread them every couple of years but yeah I would say so. In fact, it was funny because when you were talking about how Morrison's run was different from uh uh Aaron's, I was like this seems really wrong. I don't agree with you at all because you were kind of like they're all self-contained. They're not at the whims of, you know, crossovers and blah blah blah. And there's know. literally two crossover issues in Morrison's Jelly. I don't know how many there are in in fucking Justice League. Well, there's League three alone in Avengers. Uh, three alone in Avengers for War of the Realms. Yeah, but they're barely. They're like they're the Squadron Supreme yeah, stories. Like yeah, but when I say they're one of them Squadron Supreme story, but I'll get to that in a second. Um, <laughs> like when I say there's two in Morrison's Justice League, and we went through this last time. When I say Morrison's Justice League, I'm literally meaning the Morrison written issues. Because Wade does like six issues in there as well. Sure. But I'm literally making the, the Morrison issues. Right. There's two. One is the DC One Million crossover. Right. And one is one line of dialogue at the end of a story. Okay. And that's it. Uh, okay. And it's actually not even marked as a crossover. But for anyone who's ever read the Rock of Ages collection and wondered what the fuck John Jones is talking about at the end of the first chapter. He's talking about the Genesis crossover. Thank you, the end. Ah, well, um, there we go. Yeah. But so for me, Marson's Jelly is yes, like grandiose over the top superheroes. Uh-huh. A mix of old and new. Right. It's also about speed. 
those stories are done super fucking quickly. There's literally two story arcs that go over four issues. Mm. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. They are self-contained. There is the Mageddon plot theoretically going through them, which gets maybe three mentions. Right. But the whole thing is wrapped up in 36 issues. Mm-hmm. Okay? And also, things happen in each story. Like, each issue even has uh, an incident, a, a spectacle incident that has a beginning, middle, and end. Mm-hmm. Jason Aaron's Avengers, based on the 20 issues that are on Marvel Unlimited right now that I read, right. are all build up. That's all they are. Hmm. It is in 20 issues of delayed gratification. Mm. Not one story ends in those 20 issues. Uh, yeah, I can Every see that. single one mm-hmm. is a, just wait for what happens next. Every single one. Mm-hmm. There is no plot that resolves. They are the slowest comics in the world. <laughs> well, um, yeah. So uh, apparently. Also, for that matter, Marcus Jelly is purposely the quote unquote iconic seven. Right. And with the best will in the world, Aaron is not trying to do that in Avengers. Well, he's twisting it, but wouldn't you he's say not. he's got Captain America, he's got Iron he's Man, he's got Thor, and he's got a Hulk character in there. Right? He has, he does, he has a Hulk character in there, Jeff. Okay, I'm so sorry, but Graham. Strider. He's, he's and Blade. Yes. Oh my God. Oh my God. Yes. Not uh, not like Zoriel the Hawkman <laughs> or fucking Kyle Rayner the you know what I mean like I'm just like that's just lantern at the time I know but and I I never mind never mind it, it really <laughs> okay, is okay, okay. I, even putting that aside oh do you good see what I mean? no, no but do you see what I, I mean don't. about Aaron not ha- like coming actually getting to finish any story yeah, well yeah I guess like so. the picture is infinitely glacial compared with Marson. I feel like a lot of stuff happens it just doesn't necessarily resolve which but, isn't the same yeah, thing but, that, but it doesn't really happen like there's a lot of people like grimacing at each other and a lot of things that are quote unquote developments mm-hmm. but they're not like you get the introduction of Namor and his defenders of the deep three different times. Oh, yeah, three that's different true. Issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like it's not developed. It's literally do you know Namor has a defenders of the deep and he's going to start war in the in the surface world? Three different issues. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. supreme thing just repeatedly keeps happening, but there's no plot development in it. Mm-hmm. Well, Aaron keeps bringing these things. Like the the um, Soviet super soldiers is exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. He keeps going. There's the Soviet super soldiers, and they're going to do something. There's Defense Leaf, and they're going to do something. There's the Squadron Supreme of America, and they're going to do something. But nothing happens mm-hmm. for twenty issues. <laughs> like, I it's shockingly slow. Okay, I I don't have that impression at the time, so I don't know what to tell you, Graham. I, I so am you entertained by it. You're actually reading it in, as it comes out, right? Yes, yes, I am. six months behind on, on, on Marvel Unlimited. Right. So, in the six months since, and it's a Marvel book, so maybe more than six issues have come out. Right. Has there been a resolution to the, the Defenders of the Deep storyline? Oh, no, absolutely. No, no, no. To the Soviet super soldier storyline. No. 
No. Has there been a resolution to the, uh, resolution to the Squadron Supreme storyline? Uh, no. Has there been a resolution to the Ghost Rider storyline? Um, uh, not a resolution per <laughs> se. Has the resolution to? Do you see what I'm saying? Like that? I've just named four different storylines right. that in six months, which means the comic is up to at least issue 26. Yes, yeah. There's yeah. been no resolution on. Has there been a resolution to... Um, I mean, there must be a resolution to the the Dracula storyline. No, no, definitely not. Really? No. Yeah, no. That one felt like the one that was actually closest to the end. <laughs> Wait, so what has happened in those six months? Uh, I, Ghost Rider ends up racing Ghost Rider in hell for the mantle of Ghost Rider. And then... Uh, immediately after that, because I, I don't remember if that was like three or five issues. Okay, I'm literally looking up. Now like, they're like two issues what? into like the space storyline where it's, they end up, why do they end up in that space prison? Like the, there's, <laughs> they go to a space why prison. Why do they end up in that space prison? Okay, Graham, I have bad news for you. I was not reading these books especially. If you had warned no, no, me I, that you I, I, were I, out for blood to slit my no, throat and bathe no. in it. No, I. it's a point by point takedown. I'm totally, I think it's hilarious that you were going Holy to make fun of me for not shit. paying attention. Yes. It's eight issues since. Oh, is it eight? Yeah, that it's makes eight sense. Eight issues. Yeah. Yeah. That can't be right. So I think there's the Ghost Rider... there's been no resolution in any of those stories. No, for real. no, 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 no. I think I think they're all being drawn together clumsily, but into a That's big shockingly. Yeah. I want to see what's happened in those eight issues because there's obviously been no resolution for like the the Avengers one million stuff, right? Uh, no, no, that's slow. No, yeah, that's moving. Yeah, that's right. Like right, 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 right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, so th- so there's the drop-in issue. They had an Avengers drop-in issue with the Star Brand. The, the Avengers 1 million drop-in issue with the... There's, the there's at least three issues. There's four issues of Challenge of the Ghost Riders. Right, which is the race in hell. Um, but you're telling me that storyline doesn't resolve? Well, uh, they race it in hell. No, but, but there's I, no resolution after four four issues. Well, I, it it depends on what you call like a resolution. Like you know, they they race in hell, and as I recall, uh, Robbie manages to win, but decides not to take over hell, and so or he leaves. Three part Starbrand story. What what's that? Was there's it a three three parts of a Starbrand story? Oh yeah, that's the space prison one that's, where it's that's like they're told are. that they have to. Yeah, and that goes on for another two issues. Yeah, yeah. And then let's see, issue thirty-one. Is it double shipping? It wouldn't surprise me. I, I mean, actually, maybe. see, this is the thing. I'm not paying attention because I thought that uh, Immortal Hulk was double shipping. Um, Immortal Hulk is is irregularly shipping, shall we say? Yeah, and so like, it but it's be like one month is two month, well, two issues. Uh, exactly. One month is issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, both of those books tend to be public, come out much more quickly than I think. Yeah, so. and oh, Lord, I've just oh man, yes. I'm I, I I'm trying to backpedal how shocked I am that. There has been eight issues with apparently no forward plot resolution for any of the, the multiple plots, but that's yeah, that's I guess that's kind of why I'm I bristle with the idea that it you see it as Morrison's jelly, because in large part Morrison's jelly is for me about the velocity 
and about the fact that Morrison's literally like, okay, two issues, we're done. Three issues, we're done. Three issues, we're done. Hey, he wrapped up the Ghost Riders Racing in Hell in four issues. Hmm? You know. Just, you go, well, he didn't, though, because he introduced it, like, three issues prior to that. Uh, did he? I don't remember. Yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah, he gets derailed by the, the War of the Realm stuff. Oh. Well, well, no, that's a subplot, Graham. It's a subplot. It's not until Avengers Mountain gets possessed and they have to call in an exorcist <laughs> that they end yes. up getting the... That's true, and Cosmic Ghost Rider comes in, of course, because, because of course he does. Of course he um, does. Exactly. Uh, but... Not like Grant yeah, Morrison's it, JLA that never had any popular guest stars appear in its book. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> What a complete and utter mistake I've made by ever comparing the two. (laughs) Heaven forfend. You're genuinely amusingly bitchy right now. I am? Wait till you hear the playback. That was like (laughs) listening to me get flayed alive for 45 minutes while you go down your checklist of like, and in this issue... Flash and Green Lantern refer to each other as Bud, but in this one, Ghost Rider and Black Widow refer to each other as Pal. You know, it. I think you'll find she'll probably refer to him as Comrades, Jeff. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, it's it was quite a thing, Graham. So yeah, uh, who knows? I'm, I'm sorry, listeners. Please weigh in with who you think is more bitchy, because um, I'm. I would like to think that if I, I'm being at best defensively bitchy <laughs> compared to Mr. Fuming while clearly smoke was coming out of your ears by the third Avengers issue. And you're like, you know what? I'm just going to fucking read them all just to see how wrong Jeff is about this shit. Oh, no, because here's the thing. I didn't dislike them. Oh, now you drop that bomb. Wow. Well, great. Let me just staple the bits of my skin back onto my back, and you can tell me what you liked about it, Graham. See, I don't even want to say it now because you're just going to get really upset. No. Oh, no, no, no. No, I'm kidding. It's fine. Go ahead. It's it's like a completely fine Avengers comic. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a comic I'd never spend money on, but it's a comic on Marvel Unlimited. Sure, I'll read. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Like it's 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 fine, right? And like a large part of it is like I know why it's for you and not for me. Mm-hmm. I honestly couldn't give a shit about Ghost Rider. I right. couldn't give a shit about Blades. I couldn't give a shit about Dracula. Right, right. But like that's your jam. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the She Hulk stuff is honestly shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I really do. I think the She Hulk stuff is, bleh. and and also kind of really bad coming after the Marika Tamaki She-Hulk series that it came just before. Right. You know, where it's like, here, we're actually going to talk about Jennifer Walters coming to terms with her rage issues. And the engineer's like, fuck it, I want a Hulk. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's her. Right. I was like, fuck, really? Um, yeah, like, it's uh, the, the characterization is... Uh, see, I... Uh, it's all fine, right? And there's, there comes a point where Fine is fine. Right. Like, fine is enjoyable. Mm-hmm. It's not a bad comic by any means. Mm-hmm. It's just not particularly a great comic. Okay. You know? Yeah. So, it's, I like, I read the 20 issues because I was like, huh, that passed the time. What else? <laughs> well, honestly, it's the same reason I read all the, the Dance Fantastic Fours. 
See, they're not great comics. See, Dan Slott's Fantastic fine. Four sounds worse to me, but maybe that's where that's where I'm Dan mistaken Dan, or foolish. Yeah, Dan Slott's Fantastic Four also honestly gets by better for me because I have. Especially after uh, Baxter Building, I have a lot more affinity for those characters. Mm-hmm. You know, where it's like, you know, you give me basically competent read Sue, John and Benny, uh, Benny, John, Johnny and Benny, John and Benny. <laughs> you said John um, and Benny. It's a good reversal. I like it. Um, yeah. No, but like you give me those four basically done competently. Mm-hmm. And again, on Marvel Unlimited, where I'm reading it for free. Right. Sure. I'll no, I've definitely been tempted you to know? Like, sit down and yeah, give it a give it a whirl for uh, the same reasons. But but it but it's the same thing. Like Avengers is fine, mm-hmm. and you know if it had all been if there was more Avengers one million, that would not be fine. That bores me rigid. <laughs> like genuinely, oh holy shit, no, please, no more Avengers one million. Mm-hmm. And of course, there's going to be a lot. Oh yeah, do you know what I mean? Like right. it's it's literally the spine of the series. But it's so fucking dull, Jesus Christ! <laughs> um, what's really funny is because of these Avengers issues, I read uh, War of the Realms, hmm. um, which again talk about boring me rigid. Yeah, War yeah. of the Realms is just—it's—it's it's not even bad enough that you can be like, "Oh, it's a fucking mess." It's just lifeless, right? Right, which is it's, strange because it seems like it is an event that Aaron was genuinely it, it, building yeah, it to. It feels for like a it while. organically comes out of his Thor run, yeah. which is better, mm-hmm. right? And yet you get to the actual thing, and it's just like, how? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like uh, uh, how? <laughs> what happened? Part of it, honestly, and this is going to be when when me literally zero fans is I think Russell Donovan is. Very much not the right artist for that comic. Mm. Russell Donnerman draws very pretty mannequins. Mm. Yeah, um, but I think for that comic, he's 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 very much not the right artist. Mm. But also, there's an awful lot of War of the Realms that feels like, um, and I mean this, I do mean this in the pejorative. Actually, uh, it feels like someone playing with action figures. Mm. You know, where he's like, okay, I know the Punisher, but he's got guns and he's going to shoot all the frost giants. But there's uh, Daredevil, but uh, he's got a magic sword and he's he's got like cosmic sight now. <laughs> and it's like, oh, shit. Okay, fine. Okay, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it just, it didn't, like, it, it feels, it feels weirdly, um, I don't know, unconvincing, passionless. It, which is, which is so strange because it comes from the Thor run, which honestly I enjoy a lot more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, I I've stayed away from War of the Realms. It seemed deeply uninteresting to me. To be fair, I you know tried twice on Aaron's Thor run, um, and just I I, I maybe I'm I I again it's, this is going to be with me no fans, but um. Did you start from the beginning on Thor's Iron Run? Yeah, the Aaron Isad Rubik. Yeah, yeah. That mm-hmm. I found that stuff a slog to get through. Yeah, I like, I did as really, well. Really, yeah. really hard to get through. Yeah, it it feels very much like there's a certain thing that's happened with Thor comics mm-hmm. where it feels like they're simultaneously trying to lean into the myth and also the metal. Yeah, exactly. And I find that boring as shit. I do too. I I do too. 
uh, with much apologies to say Carla Hoffman or yeah, Chad Devitt. But yeah, like many people are going to be like, no, you're wrong. Yeah. And maybe I am for you, but it's, it's, it's really, and honestly, that's one of the reasons why the Donny Cates story is just like, fuck, really? Right. Like it's, there's, it's so, it's so predictable. (laughs) I thought of you because I read Silver Surfer Black number one today. Which uh, I, did you think of me in terms of like? Well, I hope Graham hasn't read this. I have. It's it's yeah. Well, yeah. I remember you reading it, and you weren't quite as cranky think- as you were <laughs> when comparing Morrison's JLA to Aaron's Avengers. But well, you were pretty goddamn you cranky. Are you genuinely upset about that? No, no. I I'm not going to let you forget it. But that doesn't have anything to do with Wait, me. Forget, forget it. <laughs> What am I forgetting? The fact that you basically came to town and burned and pillaged my village uh, and made me watch. <laughs> and then you were like, oh, and that here's another thing. Great. Jeff, you let me it. ask you. Let me ask. Yeah, exactly, Graham. That's exactly my point. That the you deserve this, Jeff, was it was implicit in every horrifying like nail you shoved through my hands and feet. Oh, Anyway, so uh, where was I? Oh, yeah. Anyway, so not as annoyed as you as you appeared to be just now, but pretty annoyed and cranky about Silver Surfer Black. It's a pile of shit. Yeah, yeah. It it that was, uh, yeah. Trad Moore, whose art I you know actually really quite like, and I know a lot of people are losing their minds over. Only the first issue is available on Marvel Unlimited, and most of it I didn't find great, but I was shocked by like how absolutely turgid Cates' work was it's, in it's, that. Oh, uh, yeah. Cates is staggeringly overrated, in my opinion. Right, right. Like, shockingly so. Yeah. Uh, it, it's funny before we we were doing this this second bit of recording, like you made a joke about the diff, you know the comparison between Robert Kirkman and Mark Miller. Mm-hmm. Gates is very Mark Miller esque, mm-hmm. like yeah. where he has he has this reputation, a lot of it self perpetuated. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, that his work like he his mouth is writing checks that his his work can't cash. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, except in theory, again, it. It sort of worked for somebody like uh, part of the reason why we were talking about Miller and Kirkman about my joke was that Kirkman is kind of like the more boring version of Mark Miller. Like he has sort of built his own industry by himself. He seems to have a sense of what the fans want. He has a very, very good taste in when it comes to what artists to work with. But but Kirkman is dull in a way that Miller is Miller's tiresome but not dull I guess if if I have to split hairs and sort of similarly the weird thing that struck me about Kate's is I read his Thanos run and found it pretty well and of course everyone uh, the last time we were saying this stuff uh, everyone was saying like oh yeah you really need to read his what his new gods or whatever his new gods in the South series was. You oh shit. God country. God, country. God country. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. God country. Like everyone's like, you should read God country. It's really good. It's the best thing he's ever done. You know, as a, like from the Cates defender. So it could be, he earned a tremendous war chest of goodwill, uh, you know, and, and 
we that we just don't have for the stuff that he's seen. But Thanos, I was kind of like, oh, okay, I kind of see like this is this makes sense as an idea. It's a pretty good idea, and then he seeds it with a couple of other things that seem to hit big, like too much, you know, Cosmic Ghost Rider, for example. And I think there's a case to be made as long as I'm, you know, taking out all my aggression that I would, you know, and and uh, defensiveness that I would normally feel toward Graham at this point in this conversation, towards Donny Cates, since Cates is not my co-host of the podcast. Uh, I, You know, it's worth pointing out that part of the story hook of Thanos is arguably one that may have well come from Jim Starlin himself, uh, if the lines between the, the various reports are to be believed. Uh, all of which is to say, Kate's really somehow like wrote a Silver Surfer comic that I, that what I thought was amazing was how boring and crappy it was. And then the, the letters page was him talking about how Stan Lee had just died. And so he made it a point that like he had to go back and rewrite this issue to make it extra special and strong to do justice to Stan Lee and talking about his story of meeting Stan Lee at San Diego Comic-Con. And I was just like, I was impressed at the ballsiness of that because it was a little hard to then turn around and be like, it kind of felt like he was bulletproofing the work. You know what I mean? Like yeah, exactly. How, how dare you criticize my impassioned uh, right. tribute to Stanley? Exactly. If you're saying that you thought my book was a big, pile, boring pile of shit that was redeemed only by some unconventional visuals, then you clearly hate Stan Lee. You know, and yet it really was. Even that, even the way he told the story was really turgid and weird and passive. It was. It's. Uh, yeah, he's apparently. Weirdly enough, when, to bring it back to the beginning of the episode, when I was like, what the fuck happened to Jim Lee? And I went searching on Jim Lee news. It was like Jim Lee and Donny Cates appearing at a Comic-Con together. And I'm like, well, clearly that can't be it. You know what I mean? Like, I was no, like, no, everyone's really sad that he appeared with, <laughs> with uh, Donny Cates. <laughs> he was crushed to death by Donny Cates' ego. Uh, and... <laughs> Uh, it, it, it's a sad thing. You know, I got to tell you, there's a lot of things you can say about about Jim Lee, but one of them is that dude is the master of not getting crushed by other people's egos. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> he steered through image at the heights of Todd McFarlane and Rob Liefeld, where they couldn't even fit their massive craniums through the door they were so swollen with self-importance. And Jim Lee's you know right there really in the middle, funny? being the peacemaker, being like, eh? <laughs> Do you know what's really funny about this? What? Today, as we record, all the image partners were in a store in Washington doing a signing together, for, I think for the first time ever. Wow. All of the image partners. Like all there the was, current ones or like all the all, current, all the current ones. Okay. Right. Right. Wow. Because uh, I got so much PR about that. Right. Right. <laughs> which is, uh, a, which yeah. is a great one. Like, I mean, to, to tie it all together, they, they never wrapped up like image united or image mortified and or never will. Now. And they never will. They never will. I remember that was also great moments. Like, remember when you and I, like, remember, Graham, you covered 19 
consecutive San Diego Comic Cons, but way back when your buddy Jeff like joined you and like slept on the floor of your room and then had to cover like thirty six different stories for Ionine and one of them was the image panel. And What's it? Yeah, I don't remember them being the image panel. Oh, you poor bastard! Oh, it was it was it was it was interesting to me because a I sat up front and b it was great because. You know, it was Kirkman who was writing um, was writing the storyline, and it was you know, of course, all the image guys, the other image founders, like drawing the storyline, and it was with everything that they were, you know, all bringing to the picture, and they they were clearly very very pleased with themselves, and all the people getting up asking questions were asking like Robert Kirkman related questions some of which were related to this crossover, like was Invincible going to be in it? But generally just like, like either Kirkman did a fabulous job hiring plants. I don't think that he did. I think he was just on an upswing. But I have to say, I have to give it up to the image founders in that all those dudes were sitting in the room and none of them noticed that nobody cared about them. You know what I mean? Like it was kind of like, they were like, we're great. And I mean, let's face it, who am I to say Spawn 300 was one of the top 10, 10, top 10 comics of the year, which again, it was the second most ordered comic of the year. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, just think about that. Just really think about that. Eh, you know, wasn't the, again, wasn't there that whole thing that Todd McFarlane's brother-in-law owned a comic book store up in Washington and would like, would completely they figured out a way to juke the stats with regard to spawn sales during the last first four or five years or something like that. I, I honestly have no idea. I, I, I don't think I've ever heard that, but also does it matter? No, like half of the, half no. of the Marvel books on there are, are completely uh, like, exactly. Sales. No, 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 no. I, I mean, I, I agree. And uh, my whole point is more that like Mick, like 300 being the number two book, most ordered book means to me that McFarlane succeeded in doing what he wanted to do, which was bringing Spawn back into, um, onto, onto people's lips as if it was a book that means something, you know, and, and maybe it does. I, you know, I don't follow it enough to know, but, uh, yeah, the image dudes. So yeah, like you said, they're all there signing. But Jim Lee is Jim Lee has managed to sail through that. Sail maybe through. maybe that's what it's about. Maybe that's why everyone's talking about Jim Lee because he wasn't there. Oh, maybe that would be amazing. Did he not? Show they're all. Up? They're all like, no, he was. He wasn't supposed to show up. He's, he's right. He's, he's not. He's not a guy, right? Yeah. So yeah, right. But whereas, maybe that's what it is. Whereas, but I mean that. Neither is Rob Liefeld now, and Liefeld was probably there. No, he wasn't. Oh my God! Well, no, because it was literally just an image thing. It was it was an image event. So, so who was at this event? At the risk of just uh, oh, the hang work on. of this horrible to... PR thing that you yeah, I'm going to have to look up the PR place. again. Graham, Graham, if you want, I have a totally awesome topic that I want to talk about that I've been dying to talk about for a Wait, while. So... Do you want to do that while I look this up? Do you want me to look this up super quickly? Oh, I was like, if you want to abandon okay. looking it up. I, no, no, I have. I can tell you right now. It okay. is Robert Kirkman, Eric Larson, Todd McFarlane, Mark Silvestri, Eric Stevenson, and Jim Valentino. 
Wow. Wow. Ha. Huh. That's amazing. I did not know that Jim Valentino was still co-owner of uh, Image. Yeah. Huh. That's interesting. How about that? And Silvestri, too, which is also kind of... I wonder, do they see... I wonder how... I. God damn. I wonder how this... I wonder how Image works sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they can't see any money. They don't really publish anything through image. I'm like, do they like, no, like image takes almost nothing off the top for, yeah, but like Shadowline still publishes stuff and, and Skybound still publishes stuff. Well, no Skybound, of course. Wait, Skybound. Wait, who's that's Kirk Kirkman. Kirkman. Well, Kirkman's no, but got... Kirkman's got stuff that makes sense. But I mean, like what, what's the last thing that Sylvester is he Top Cow? Is that what it is? Is yeah, all he's the Top, top Cow, cow yeah. stuff? Oh, okay. All right. And then, right, Shadow Line. Is stuff still being published under the Shadow Line imprint? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Wow. Well, I'm really looking forward to this being the first podcast of the year. Really paints an ugly picture of what's in store for Jeff for the rest of 2020. Because I uh, I'm am up Shadow Line right now. Running on some um, Shadow completely Line. obsolete anachronistic uh, beliefs. Um, wow, Sh- Shadow Line's official webpage is a Tumblr. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, they're previewing something called Sonata, which was published just this last week. Really? Huh. The Marked. It's going to be lots of books we've never heard of. Rat Queens. Oh, yeah, I it's remember Rat Line Queens. Book. Yeah, gosh, that's probably uh, the most successful title which has been through the ringer and back. They published Section Zero, Volume One, the collection of the the uh, Gorilla comics for three issues, and then like 17 years later, Kickstarted book, which, weirdly enough, I actually was reading this week. Really? Yeah, I actually like that bunch. Um, the Marked, yeah, it's a bunch of things I haven't really heard of, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I'll be danged. Tell me your story, Jeff. What What is the thing you're very interested no, no, in? I, uh, I was uh, wanted you to, the, the other day, Chris Aaron on Twitter uh, asked oh, people. thing. Yes. Like said, some like what? What would be name name a comic that would make an an excellent stage musical? And uh, I I you know what surprise? No one mentioned Howard the Duck. You know, it's kind of funny, almost because it seemed too people, obvious. So people, yeah. people were talking Gerber all the time, yeah. and no one mentioned Howard the Duck. And it's like, of course, it's Howard the Duck. You fucking idiots. <laughs> <laughs> but... Well, my goodness. So. Uh, but, so that's one down. Give me another four, Graham. Please. Oh, God. You don't have to, musicals? but I'm very curious. Yeah. Okay. Musicals. Because I, honestly, I read it. I read it only because you were like, I can't believe Graham's not responded. And I was like, fucking have a breakfast. Jesus. Uh, which was got, great. And then you never replied. And well, I, because, honestly, because I got swallowed up at work. I, 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 really I did. know like that I, Friday's a busy day for you, um, honestly, but I really did. You're, you're like, I was eating breakfast, question mark. And I was like, not good enough. Drop and give me six ideas. And, and I actually, <laughs> you didn't. <laughs> I actually was shocked when you showed up on something else where I was talking. I was like, oh, damn. I was sure that he muted me for the rest of the day. I'll be dead. <laughs> um, I, there also, there's so many responses to that tweet thread. It was nuts. Yeah. Yeah, it really there, was. There, was. there was a lot. Because it was one of those, like, I look away for an hour and I come back and it's like, you have 70 responses. And I was like, I've not written anything today. What are you talking about? 
literally like you and Matt and everyone else talking about it. Yeah. Um, oh shit! Four others. Four. Others. It's saying Spider Man is a bad idea, right? Uh, Spider Man in the in the form of the Confessions of a Rock Star, Confessions of a Superhero. Right. You know the the album. Yes. Like yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. Um, Batman. I'm surprised there's not been a Batman musical yet. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Um, what else? Saga. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I Saga. can see that. Mm-hmm. I can see Saga musical. Right. Um, hmm. Ace Trucking Company from 2080. Oh, nice. I want to see like a 70s rock opera based on like this this shitty CB lingo from that comic. More than one person, I don't know if you followed the thread, but more than one person went on to suggest Stronium Dog, which uh, I thought would make you and Chloe happy. But uh, Yeah, I, I, I can imagine a great Strontium Dog musical. Um, shit, what else, what else, what else? Um, oh, Skin! The Peter McCarthy, uh, Peter Milligan, Brendan McCarthy comic. Wow. A skin that is like Quadrophenia. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's interesting. Um, what else? I'm literally just like off the top of my head now. That's How many do I still owe you? I feel like I owe you two more. Right? Uh, technically, Three. I think you hit five, but you, you, I want, I want to hear two more. So. Shit! <laughs> you could have just said no. You're fine. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> What's really funny is I keep on thinking Kevin Huizanga's Ganges, and I don't know why. Oh, that'd be wild. I think that's a great idea, you know. I I don't know why. Weirdly enough, like, I imagine it being, if you can imagine a Ganges musical with the visual aesthetics of, uh, shit, I've forgotten his name, the guy who did the Royal Tannenbaums. Oh, Wes Anderson. Mm-hmm. What, okay, visuals of Wes Anderson. Right. And uh, a musical sound that is very similar to like John Sebastian from Loving Spoonful. Hmm. Wow. Give me that. Nice. I know that's really specific. I honestly don't know why, but that's where my head went for that. Wow. That is very specific. Uh, and I, I keep on having like, this is the dumbest one mm-hmm. and counterintuitive. Mm-hmm. Omega Men. Wow. That, I think, I that makes sense. D- specifically Tom King's Omega Men or Omega no, Men? The, the, the 80s one. Mm-hmm. The 80s Omega Men. And I want it to be like glam rock shitty. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. give me shitty, like, glam rock, but in the style of, like, the 1980s Cats stage performances. Right, right. Yeah, okay, There, there's your however many I ended up giving you. I think I think Omega Men's a great final choice, uh, especially like you said, because if nothing else, I feel like the character designs lend themselves very well to shitty eighties, like shitty, shitty sort of stage glam. Yes, shitty glam. Oh. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good choice. Yeah, uh, I like them. Uh, people who who do not follow me on Twitter, I will list mine very quickly. First of all, you shoot at Lazy Bassett at Laz by <laughs> And we're a Patreon-supported podcast, which means, yeah, um, I I was like, I said, anyone who in, didn't instantly think Shaco is a coward and a fool, uh, 
but also Stuck Rubber Baby, Mouse, Ode to Kirohito, Why I Hate Saturn, Heartbreak Soup, and Transformers, the good UK I did stuff. see someone taking his task for Why I Hate Saturn, yeah. which is really funny because I was like, no, that's a fucking obvious musical. Right, right. Why I Hate Saturn would be a great musical. Yeah, I, I kind of thought so too. And they were like, yeah, whatever, LOL. And I was like, okay, that's fine. Like, it I know, but it, work it, for you. Like, it's got a sick, it's got broad enough setup. Yeah. You have one character who is a fantasist, which allows for, like, all sorts of musical numbers. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, it really – it seemed like the most natural. I do do love – oh, I did respond to that, sorry, because I said that uh, most would be the Nets Cats. Oh, yeah, which is great. And I was like, yeah, not the Broadway double feature that we need, but the double feature we deserve, (laughs) which you didn't reply to at all. And I'm like, okay, I'm back to being – Really? Again? Again, Don't like – don't read into that. It just means I got swallowed by work again. That's well, I, I understand. Plus, don't forget all that time hate reading Hickman's Avengers in preparation for this discussion. First of all, it's Jason Aaron's Avengers. And secondly, I did that at the start of the week. <laughs> I can't believe I fucked up Jason Aaron and Jonathan Hickman. Oh, the Hickman joke. We could talk about the Hickman joke as long as we yeah, were talking about was, news and we have to. No, not really. Uh, people, you should just, um, you should just... Uh, do, oh, I, I, genuine question. Do you have anything actually to say about the Hickman joke? Uh, I thought that it was interesting how defensive Hickman got about it. Like, kind of, he was like, oh, it's, it's clearly a joke. And I think someone like Andy Curry, maybe? Somebody who's actually also in the comics industry was like... Well, it doesn't really seem like it could be a joke. And they're like, oh, that's clearly ridiculous. That's absolutely impossible if you'd seen the issue. And people are like, but that's the point. No one had seen the issue. He's like, well, it's it's absurd. It would never happen. And and so what was we the part that I found really interesting was that er, area where Hickman went into bizarro denial mode rather than being oh, I see. like I, I didn't even see that i i thought that everyone got like weird weird about it basically yeah yeah i well that's like, it. I, I feel like everyone like really weirdly overreacted about that, that well joke. i yeah because it's but like the joke itself is an overreaction if that makes sense uh how do you mean it it it, uh, it wasn't it clearly wasn't only a joke right right because it's so specific a joke, it clearly came from somewhere. Right. And honestly, it felt like it came from guilt. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. But then all the responses, all of the responses, like everyone going, ha-ha, how dare you say that, to the, of course it's just a joke, to the comics journal being like, you can read it, you could never read a Jonathan Hickman comic and your life isn't going to be affected, to all the responses to that from people saying, well, just because of that, I'm going to read lots all the Jonathan Hickman comics. It was the weirdest, like, none of this is important. <laughs> what of you so passionate about something that is utterly unimportant? That's a good question. I mean, I think that I was surprised that it touched a nerve. Let's put it that way. And it clearly did. It touched several nerves. Well, that's it. I think that was it. It was it was a little bit like a bad uh, chiropractic session where it was just one nerve got hit wrong and then that just led to the next three. But I mean, I think I think Hickman's Hickman's joke, the like you said, done out of guilt had the un like 
I think I think Hickman sort of was perhaps un. It was. I think, as is the case with a lot of Twitter's great scolds, that there are that they are not unjustified in some ways about their scolding, and, and in some cases, many ways. Because the the joke that Hickman made, which for those people who hopefully you know what we're talking about, but if not, should clarify. Hickman made a joke about the artist of New Mutants drawing an issue in two days and how it looked fabulous. And it was like, just think if he had three days to finish it, how great it could have looked. And people were kind of like, hey, that's kind of fucked that you made this guy, that this guy had to draw the entire issue in like two days. That really fucks with your health and that's a horrible thing to do. And other things in that vein in a vein yeah yeah and and essentially when hickman's like this is just a joke guys this is really this is that's it was it's just that didn't happen of course that couldn't happen and people are like well no there are stories of people in the industry and the fact that you even think that that sort of exploitation is worthy of of making fun of like and there is something where I'm like, yeah, the industry still has incredible amounts of exploitation. So sure, yeah, but, and but, so I think that that's part of it. I think that Hickman's, I think Hickman to an extent was kind of like, wait, I'm beloved, I'm currently beloved. I yeah. can, can be given the benefit of the doubt, right? Which of the, course he, al- is... he also did a follow up tweet that was basically like, imagine getting so upset about a Jonathan Hickman tweet. Or something, something along those lines, mm-hmm. which again felt like weirdly guilty and defensive, and mm-hmm. like revealing that it wasn't actually a joke. Mm-hmm. Like there, there's something. I, I feel there are many ways in which people do the "you guys, I'm only joking" afterwards in such a way that it reveals that it really wasn't only a joke. Mm-hmm. And I feel that Hickman sort of had had many of those right. in this particular thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and yeah, it, it was, yeah, the whole thing was just very, very odd. Mm-hmm. The idea also that Hickman is like, I, you, of course, this could never happen, is insane, right? Because everyone knows stories where artists are forced to redraw things or draw things on an impossible deadline, right? Yeah, writers are fucked up. And honestly, Hickman is clearly fucking his deadlines right now. Yeah, you just have to look at the fact that X Men is was as being pushed back. To know that Hickman is fucking up his deadlines. Right. So, again, it's not like it's not a joke with no, um, no. I, I was going to say no malice behind it, which which is maybe a bit extreme. Well, it's I think not, that might it's be not it. an it's unpointed not, joke, right? It, it had it had. I think that that was it. Is Hickman's was like the joke has no malice, but it, but like you said it probably did have a point. And I think what may have thrown everyone off is that the the point that was picked up wasn't necessarily the one that Hickman had intended, I suppose. Well, what do you think the point he intended was then? I think, I think he was... Well, honestly, I don't, I don't know. I'll be honest, because it seemed to me when he said it, I was somebody who was kind of like... It felt enough like sort of a classic uh, Stan Leeism, honestly, that I thought that it was 
pretty close to accurate. Like he was kind of doing a, hey guys, step up and take a bow. This guy did an amazing job. And just think if I hadn't screwed him over, how great he would have been. Seems to me like a very sort of... Weak joke. Yeah, weak joke. But, you know, but also sort of a self-effacing Stanism that I was kind of like, oh, okay, this is kind of how he is doing a public mea culpa and and trying to give credit to his collaborator in a way that is that also I thought was kind of like I d- would feel terrible if this artist got flamed for having terrible art on this issue so I'm going to come up in a jocular way and essentially fireproof him by 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 falling on my sword but falling on my on my sword in that sort of I you know to to quote I don't know John Mulaney and the sack lunch bunch, you know, it's like, if nobody notices, then you pulled it off. But if it didn't work, then we can say it was ironic, you know? And, and, and so I think he went in there with that and he was not expecting people to be like, you know, how dare you, you fucking exploiter, you know? And, and at that point it, it was just gasoline being, you know, it was like, it was Twitter napalm was basically just getting, you know, splashed on people and people bursting into flame everywhere you turned. Um, you know, like you said, like I brought it up as a, ha ha, we can talk about this. I don't think, I think to me, it's uh, of note. It's not like I have anything particularly clever to say about it, unfortunately. You know, mm-hmm. it's like what I what I find most fascinating about it is the way in which... Um, uh, you know, as as continues to happen with 2019-2020, people are really good about calling things out in a way that doesn't actually demand any change or even suggest that they are changing their own behavior. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't... Mm-hmm. It was just kind of like, oh, I can... it. Not quite a cheap shot, but that kind of form of, um, uh, you know, Twitter outrage for me, I think I take a lot, a little more seriously in some ways than I feel like other people do. But I, I do feel that it is, if nothing else, an unfortunate panacea, um, a, a way of cheap catharsis for people who are generally... Um, genuinely scared about what's going on in the world and or feel um, are afraid to take power in their own lives. Like something that I might have said like seven or eight months ago in one of our discussions, the idea that it's it's easier to have a vehement opinion about fucking Star Wars than it is to have about climate change because you can at least feel that you're making a quote-unquote difference by arguing about Star Wars. You know what I mean? Which... Is, which I think is kind of sad, but true, you know, that pop culture exists now. Not pop culture used to be the relief from the, you know, our everyday worries and fears. And now I feel and it's like, what a release solved now. I, I, yeah, I feel like I feel like arguing about pop culture is the release valve, not the experiencing of it, you know. Mm-hmm. So anyway, it's a thing. I also just really wanted to know your 
take on the stage musicals, of course. Because Graham, you you like the musicals? Are are you not I, a fan of like stage musicals? I mean, I I, like I am a fan of stage musicals. Yeah. I like the musicals. I like the stage musicals. Right. Um. Yeah. I I I felt like I should have had more to uh, contribute to that Twitter conversation. Yeah. And honestly was just far too distracted just, by everything so yeah happening. yeah yeah by all the various deadlines you had to hit i've got to tell you jeff mm-hmm. this week flattened me really Be, this the first full week of work mm. in like weeks because the holidays right my brain was not ready yeah i kind of know what you I, mean I, I made i made it to like thursday and then my brain was like i'm checking out we're done right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Like, no, 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 we've, we've got another couple of days and my brain was like no no yeah. no we're not I definitely Sorry. felt that way come Wednesday night. I was like, fuck this. I'm ready for this to be over. And it was like, nope, you still got to go to work two more days and still be a productive human being for at least that long. Too bad for you. So, that was a idea. Was to, all that work. All that work. Bad. Uh, weirdly, we've somehow managed to, um, <laughs> to make it. Just fight our way to the two hour mark. So yeah, do you do you want to? I and I'm kidding, of course. But uh, should I call you back? You in see a few that? And... But I know you're not. No, I am, Graham. I know I'm there's totally that little part of you that's like, you motherfucker. Uh, no. Why, why no. did you come for me on, on <laughs> Engelhart's Avengers? And I'd be like, it's not Steve Engelhart. It's Jason Aaron. And you'd be like, why did you come to me with Grant Morrison's Avengers? <laughs> Oh, is this just because I goofed up? <laughs> See, this is it, Graham. You're like, oh, I know you're really hurt. Here's like, and then it's like bitchy, bitchy bazooka fire. I'm like, which one of us is really hurt here? Let me pour lemon juice on that guy. Seriously. I was like, oh my God. You're like, it's okay, Jeff. You can be passive aggressive and then unbelievable unbelievable like, ladies what and gentlemen. like chef is the idea that that last sound effect was the sound of passive aggression yeah it i was. don't know if that's what you said te- i genuinely don't know if that's what you intended or not but in my head it is i, uh, I was making was a beautiful. weird i was making a weird motion with my hands too like i, I was like psycho like knife or something no 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 like imagine me like uh, uh i think the closest analogy might be um like little blastar hands, you know, like kind of like oh, thrusting, oh, yeah. like imagine rays. Although in my brain it was like uh, venom, it was just kind of like green globs of venom flying oh, off my. Oh, okay, hands. not venom. Okay, yeah, yeah no, not that. Even like the character. Yeah. yeah, Jesus Christ! Every goddamn good word ruined by superheroes. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't that note. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, Graham, so there's usually a point where I'm like, oh, I wanted to talk about all the comics that I wanted to talk about, which um, I don't think that there's really going to be any of them. But next time that we talk uh, is probably going to be a drock. After that, maybe if I have anything to say, I read V for Vendetta. I should have mentioned it back when Alan Moore made two of the top 10 books of, uh, of 2019. Uh, and then I followed it up by watching the film. And... Boy, that was a mistake. I mean, I knew I knew it would be to watch the movie after it. I was like, oh, I'll do that thing that Graham does, where I just go down a hidey hole and do everything that's V for Vendetta related so that I can sort of come back with, you know, a kind of overview of the whole 
situation. And the, the overview was, God, I wish I, they hadn't made that movie. Oh, man, that movie is shit. I totally forgot. And I saw it in the theaters. Uh, but I think I saw it in theaters. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, it's it was a thing. It was a thing we did back in 2004, 2006, or whenever the hell it came out. But the thing that was crazy to me, among other things, is... Oh, man. Oof. Oh. The, I mean, V for Vendetta is a fascinating work to me in that um, I think of it from time to time. And I, I, there's parts that I like on it, but I always remember feeling that it never quite... Came together. Uh, came together, yeah. So when I reread it, it was kind of fun to reread it on the, on the train to and from work. But as it went along, I was like, wow, it does not come together. And so watching the movie, I was uh, so quickly after, I'm like, oh, well, you know, they kind of, they can't do a literal adaptation because A, they're doing a two-hour movie, and B, part of the reason why V for Vendetta will never be as good as Watchmen, uh, or will never, I think, retop the top talent, top-selling books, graphic novels of the year, is, is that... Um, more just really did not do nearly as good a job of developing characters or storylines or even selling you on some situations that are crucial to be able to have the book have any dramatic tension mm -hmm. whatsoever. Mm -hmm. um, so seeing the movie avoid the mistakes that Moore made and then go on to make even, make its own. make even larger ones on its own were fucking fascinating. Really fucking fascinating. So that that whole thing. Anyway, all of which is to say, people, I read that. I read Dr. Afra. I read Star Wars TIE Fighter, which is a book that, um, you know, was a Star Ties Wars Ties in with book. a novel. Yes, because it's written by the, the author. Well, let me tell you, it, um, it hangs on a note and then... That's it. I don't know if the whole point is to get you to the point of the novel. I assume that these characters were characters from the novel, and then they go into this uh, six-issue miniseries that I really was. I was like, fucking hell. It, it, ugh. I, now, I may be misremembering, but I want to say TIE Fighter is the other side of the story, like a Rashomon type thing, mm -hmm. from the novel. Mm. And the novel tells everything from the good guy's perspective. Ah, could be. Uh, that would sort of make sense in some ways. Um, uh, all I know is is just that it was kind of... The thing that I thought was weird is there's that strange, like, it ends on all but what would be a the end question mark kind of thing. Like, I really was <laughs> like, oh, this is clearly the first arc, and it ties in with some of the other stuff we were saying. This is clearly the first arc of an ongoing season. And then I went and, and looked it's it not. Up, And it's not, yeah. And it was just like, what, kind of like, what the fuck? Like, there's such a, like, if it wasn't successful enough to do a follow-up series on, then why the fuck are you collecting it? You know, other than... That's how, you, you know, you, if you manage to fool enough rubes into thinking that it's a thing, you know, you actually earn your money back and then some or something. I don't know. It's kind of a bummer. Um, that's all I have to say about comics before we get to the to our exciting ending point, Graham. Uh, I think that is very exciting, Jeff. I'm going to say two things. One, I'm about to cough, so I'm going to mute myself for two seconds. Uh, but secondly... The best thing I read this week was um, the Rosemary Valerio O'Connell um, short box collection. Mm. Mm -hmm. 
uh, which is called, he says, looking down at it right now, Don't Go Without Me. Wow. Which I hope is going to get... I have a copy because I kickstarted it. Mm-hmm. And I hope it's going to get a wider release because it's amazing. Mm. It's a genuinely lovely piece of work. It's three different stories, three short stories. And yeah, I really hope that, that it gets a wider release mm-hmm. because it's really some of the best comics I've read in a long time. Wow, that's fabulous. The other thing I should tell you is, based on the last episode, it wasn't just reading Avengers that you got, you got to me, Jeff. Uh, I've started taking note of what I'm reading this year. Ooh, I'm super excited about this, unless you're going to unleash the same level of vitriol, in which case I'm still kind of excited. So uh, No, that's exactly my point. My, I'm doing it purely to unleash a level of vitriol on you. I thought it would be funny. <laughs> <laughs> that's fabulous, Graham. That is fabulous. I was like, you know, you know, fuck you. That, that's just what I thought. Yes. Um, yeah. So next week is the drop, I believe. That and is then correct. The week yeah. after that, we will be doing a regular rewatch. By which point, unless I'm horrifically wrong with dates, I should be able to tell you basically what I read through January. Ooh, that'd be exciting. The thing that I say that would it's be a ex- lot of trash. Well, right yeah. Honestly, everything that I've got so far from my list of January is trash, and there's not even really that much of it. So it's going to be an embarrassing comparison. But uh, oh no, I, I'm very impressed how quickly I can read trash. But holy shit, have I been reading? <laughs> well, I think that's, that's good. Problem with Marvel Unlimited and DC Universe, Jeff. You can just go down the rabbit hole of trash. Yeah, I never seem to do it for long enough, which is a shame. Which is a shame. Like. I read some perfectly cromulent um, issues of hilariously bad, I should say, issues of Superman's girlfriend, Lois Lane, issues 15 and 16. Uh, enjoyed them tremendously, but I was like, yeah, now I should read something from Marvel Unlimited. So I read two terrible issues of Captain Britain, uh, you know, the color reprint. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. It, oh, man. The fact that they've been putting the original Captain Britain and these on Marvel Unlimited is wonderful. But the weird thing is, is I read two issues of it, and it was like even two issues in media res, and I'm like, nah, I'm fine. You know, it could be oh, one yeah, of no, those no, things. It's, of, it's, yeah. it's not going to get reading. I mean, right. those, aren't, those aren't even good, bad comics. They're just bad. Yeah. Well, they're bad, but they're bad. It's the ones that I was reading, which are written by Gary Friedrich, Part of it is they're drawn by Herb Trimpey and Fred Keita. So, and I'm like, ah, you know, Trimpey drawn cap, and it's a Captain America and Red Skull storyline. But what's amazing about it is, and I think is really a shame, is it's Captain Britain's comic, and they're kind of like Gary Friedrich and everyone is kind of like, mm, yeah. But you know who's more interesting? It's Captain America. Captain America, and you know who's more interesting than Captain? Like just as interesting. Red Skull. Oh, and here's the scene between Nick Fury and the British you know, Nick Fury of Shield and whatever his name is, Limey McWedgeface of Strike or whatever. And Limey McWedgeface is, of course, a spy to the Red Skull. I was like, huh? So this is the comic that Marvel felt like publishing in Britain, in which every English character is either inept or secretly a bad guy. I, I had this thing of like Marvel. Still, they've got a consistent approach, you know? <laughs> sadly, sadly, yes. Let's be perfectly honest. <laughs> I was like, wow, this is... No wonder why no one remembered this. Like, people remembered this fondly only under duress. Like, it's not... 
it's it, again it was part of me was like okay this is about as bad as reading spidey super stories but it was also like you know like pip pip cheerio old boy you horrible rotter nick fury i'm in league with the red skull you know like they have british guys who are being recruited for the fourth reich and it's literally like they go to a pub and people are like listen to what our guy has to say and you'll get a free beer and they're all like okay and the speech is like why should rich people have all the money and they're like yeah yeah he's right sign me up they're making sense and i'm like this is um all I can say is Gary Friedrich, uh, I don't think he had cleaned up his act. I really thought that he had <laughs> stopped drinking sooner in his career than when he did the Captain Britain issues. Well, but let's be honest, like, they're, they're not worth it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. it's It was... It, I mean, that's clearly how everyone's sort of approaching it, so it becomes this horrible, self-perpetuating uh, thing. It was really amazing, Graham. Anyway, we were supposed to get the closing comments. I swear we were, but... Um, this is the part yes. where I am going to interrupt Jeff, because it's always amusing me to interrupt Jeff as we're trying to wind up. Yes. I don't know why it is, but it genuinely is. <laughs> to say that I've already given you Jeff's Twitter account, it's at... Uh, I was going to say at Jeff Lester. It's not at Jeff Lester. It's, it's not. at Lazy Bassett, at L-A-Z-Y-B-A-S-T-I-D. Wait What's account is at Wait What Podcast. Mm-hmm. I don't have to spell that. You can spell words. I'm at Graham M at G R A E M E M. We have a Tumblr account, waitwhatpod.tumblr.com. We have an Instagram, Instagram.com forward slash waitwhatpods. We have what am I missing, Jeff? We have a website, waitwhatpodcast.com, and and we have a Patreon account. Jeff, take it away. You know what? Jeff Lester joined Twitter on 2010, and I don't think. I don't think it's like tweeted anything. Oh my god, did you just look up Jeff Lester? Yeah, I did. It never occurred to me. You were like, it's Twitter, Jeff Lester. I'm like, well, surely that's not going to be available anymore. And clearly not. But I'm like, somebody's just sitting on this unless they marked it as private. I love the idea that it might have been me in 2010 and then I forgot I had the account. Let's be perfectly honest. Anyway. Hey, we're a Patreon-supported podcast. Uh, we're incredibly grateful to... I, I just want to say I'm grateful to all of our listeners. Though there, were, there was a lot of great feedback on our last episode of the year, which I found uh, I found the recording of the episode very heartwarming, which is why it was all the more shame that, that, that Graham descended to petty, backbiting shenanigans in this episode. But that's fine. I can see what, where 2020 is going to be. But 2019, I still have fond memories of, and I really appreciated everyone's very very kind feedback uh, about the episode um, and you you guys managed to inspire us now uh, in Graham's case it inspires him to attack his friend but you know but it's still it's still something worth listening it still fills me with a lot of excitement um, I'm sure that red will kick in later like probably around the time the PTSD does. Uh, and I'm also incredibly grateful. It's amazing. I keep hoping to hear Graham laughing, and there's just dead silence. And I'm like, hope he's got it on I, mute. No, hope I'm, he's got it on mute. No, he's, this, you're just sitting there. This is the last there. episode. This is the last episode. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm feeling, I'm feeling attacked now. But I suppose Jeff, I don't come across as passive aggressive. I just get sad. Oh. Deeply. Deeply sad inside. Oh, in my bones, my. an ache. 
God. An ache of melancholy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear, everyone. Well, anyway, please remember us fondly. <laughs> remember it's it'd be great they're like yeah remember that podcast ended in 2019 yeah you mean 2020 <laughs> no 2019 <laughs> nobody ever talks about that last episode <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> oh, anyway part of what keeps us coming back is our affection for one another believe it or not and also the fine folks uh, who listen to us and the people at Patreon who throw us a little bit of their hard earned dosh to keep us excited, inspired next week we will be talking about Judge Dredd uh, in the next episode of Drock, super exciting for me and that podcast it exists entirely and precisely because we hit a stretch goal that uh, that the fine from the fine people at Patreon, we are grateful to all of you, especially uh, Empress Audrey, Queen of the Galaxy, for her continuing support of this podcast and this oh so fragile little uh, neck of the cosmic woods, as it were. Graham, all I'm going to say is this. <laughs> I'm not even going to give you shits. No, I'm not. I'm not going to give you shits. Really? No, I'm not. I was going to give you shit, but no, I'm but not. What kind of shit were you going to give me, though? It's it's not a, it's not important, Jeff. <laughs> it's more important to know that I may find Jason Aaron's Avengers entirely mediocre and not even worthy of being mentioned in the same breath as Grant Morrison's JLA, but you are the superhero of my dreams. Oh, when there's a surprise heart warmer. Ah, Graham, that's, um, that's, I have to say, honestly, after reading two issues of (laughs) Superman's girlfriend, Lois Lane, I'm like, I can see that, because Silver Age Superman was a passive-aggressive dick, too. Let me tell you. I said superhero. I didn't even say Superman. Well, no, but I'm saying, like, in the in the cleft of... In, oh, in, in the mold oh. of such classic superheroes as Silver Age Superman, clearly, if that's how you define... Anyway. <laughs> Bye! <laughs> That's it, we're calling it. Okay, this episode ends with Jeff saying bye. That's it. <laughs>